Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour and we are back for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast and the game three decider is upon us boxhead yeah it's very close now uh, looking forward to it. Should be a good game. Short and round, out of the way, almost at the end oh, of. Uh, thank God they're almost over. This bodgy part of the year. One more short round coming up, obviously, after Origin 3, which will be a six game round, the final four buys, and then we get the real run home. Yeah. Uh, but like we said, the big thing probably for this episode is the preview of that decider. Going to be a massive game of football, but starting things off for this episode, uh, no use doing power rankings this week. No. Obviously, no. there was only. Uh, four games. So well, we're by gonna... the end of next week, everyone will be on even, even keel. So all these buys and everyone's uh, swayed perception and skewed perception of who's in the eight and who's how many wins back, etc., etc., will be eliminated this time next week. So we'll have, uh, I think it's how many games to go? Eight games to go, I think. But at the end of next week, everyone will have eight, eight to play, I think, or it might be seven. But either way, it'll be everyone will be on even keel, which yeah. will be good. It'll all be back to normal, but uh, for this episode, obviously, no power rankings. We'll do our set of six, so some topics we want to talk about. We'll review that short and round. Uh, obviously, the fan questions, as always. No gossip, again. Uh, he's a bit busy with his work again. He's been struck down. School holidays, mate. And school holidays as well, so we're all busy in that regard. But uh, we've got his tips and gossip, and the big thing for this episode, obviously, we'll give you an in-depth preview of State of Origin 3, the blockbuster between Queensland and New South Wales. But set of six... Starting things off, tackle one. Uh, I know it wasn't exactly a bright spot yesterday, and God must hate Newcastle because they still found a way to lose that game of football and probably sums up the dog's attack because it was a shitty charge down. They got the job done, but there is looking to be a brighter future around the corner with the West group apparently going to secure the club and take care of their financial well, future. Well, hopefully. I'll believe it when I see it, but um, that's the mail. So that can only be a good thing. It'll give them... A little bit of well, it's going to give them independence from the NRL, which is going to be great. Uh, but it'll also, I just secure the future, secure the team in Newcastle. Uh, I, the, the fans have been fantastic, considering how poorly the side's been going. Uh, you've had also this week all the rumblings around Nathan Brown. Yes, so that's a game they should have won. There's probably three or four of those this year that are just mismanaged because when you're in a habit of uh, losing, you lose. You don't know how to win, so. Uh, that's very much how they're looking, the Knights at the moment. But uh, football gods might hate them, but that'll, that'll turn. Yeah, well, I've said it before and I've said it again. I was happy to read about this this week. Hopefully it does get put across the line. It was supposed to be officially announced last week. But that's what worries me. It's been mooted for a while. The West Group, uh, if all does go to plan as is supposed to, financially secure the club, all their debts will be gone. They're talking about building a centre of excellence. Obviously, I know the Tinkle thing is a hard thing for them 
to cop, but let's be honest, they got a good end of the deal out of that in the end. They yeah. got the stadium and a bunch of other bits and pieces. So this West group will be the real cherry on top. And the big part for me when we talk about Nathan Brown again is that Spade board member who come out and laid the boot in is the same just absolute dickhead that said they were going to win a comp within three years. Well, he's not a board member. And then, I'm pretty sure he's the CEO. Yeah, he? well, guess what? I don't think he'll have a job if the West group get in control because mm. they basically came out straight away and said there's no way we're going to get rid of Nathan Brown. We're back and, uh, you know, we'd be backing him moving forward. And I think they've got enough brains to kind of look at the situation the way I have mm. and look at the job that it is and what was ahead of him. And I still think they're ahead of schedule, results or not results. Um, but yeah. yeah, fingers crossed for Newcastle fans that that West thing finally does get announced. Tackle number two, uh, Mitchell Moses. So I've been one of his biggest critics, but I'm more than happy to say, like I said uh, previously, when he went to Parramatta, he wouldn't be the golden boy anymore. And they're a rough and tumble team, and they've got a tough coach in Brad Arthur. But I'm going to give him a rap for manning up. Uh, I think he's been really, really good since he's been there. In particular, defensively, I think he's been great. Yeah, they're doing a better job of hiding him as well in the line, which is a positive thing. But he's going to have to. He's going to have to grow up and. Uh, will man up as you've put it, but become physically more competent at managing players that are going to run him. They're going to spot him up. They're going to try and take gas out of him. They're going to try and hurt him. Uh, that's actually, well, it's a tick in your box if people are trying to target you because they're obviously worried about what you can bring on the offensive end of the game. So uh, it's it's a badge of honour, I guess, for Mitchell, but he needs to address it because it had become a little bit of a worry, particularly the early part of this year yeah. when the Tigers weren't going well and he... I think, it looked like he mailed it in a few in a few games there and his effort wasn't as good as it could have been. But On the flip side of that, though, it's one thing to be na- uh, labelled an attacking threat, but it's also a different thing if you consider it a deficiency on defence. That's like, what I'm saying. That's it's, the point. Yeah. it's not just a badge of honour. It's also basically saying that you're, you know, you're a target. You're a weak link. You're yeah. a parking cone. We can just run over you. Forget yeah. about the attacking side of things. And I thought that his attitude was piss poor at the Tigers. And uh, obviously, like most people, thought he threw the, the toys out of the cot when he left. But... He's gone to a tough culture, a tough team, uh, you know, a coach in Arthur that obviously demands the best. And I think since he's been there and hopefully moving forward now, he's settled in. He's part of the squad. He's not this head figure or one of these ones that was trying to be the golden boy at the Tigers and run that joint. Yeah. Um, so far, very early days, but I'm, I'm impressed. He's manned up. He's putting his body in front. So hopefully that continues. Tackle number three. Uh, I think you would have seen this probably today. I didn't get to see it afterwards. I watched the game uh, recorded yesterday. It was Trent Barrett's blow up about the... The penalty count, and I'm going to be honest right now, no offence to any Penrith fans out there who are probably going to have a whinge, but uh, I thought 14-4 was ridiculous. I didn't think Manly were that bad. I thought they put, pushed the boundaries a little bit, but there were some things I saw in Penrith as well that I easily yeah. thought could have been penalised, but 14-4, that's a pretty ruthless penalty count. Yeah, look, I thought most of those penalties were warranted, but I thought that Penrith had a lot get let go, put it that way. I, I don't think the... Many of the manly ones I couldn't really argue about, um, but I did see Penrith get away with a few. Like the consistency probably wasn't there, and Manly did they cop the short end of the stick? Probably. Well, they also. But I, I thought they had a lot of chances to win that game. Um, but Trent Barrett said they they didn't have a chance to win. I disagree with that. They had a lot of chances in the second half to to win. I also think Manly got a little bit lucky in the fact that Henry Perinara warned them that the next player to give away a penalty would be Sinbin. And I think it was two or three penalties after that that went by and he didn't Sinbin anyone. So, yeah, look, just... I, I think the refereeing as a whole in that game was pretty poor. It took away from what just should have been a good game. It should have been just a, a game that the players decided. I think they probably ultimately did. But, yeah, it just it stagnated and it never got any fluency, that yeah. game, which really didn't suit Manly. It, that, that side of it definitely suited Penrith. And 
with the amount of possession that uh, the Panthers had, if they didn't win that game, you know, they've, they're never going to win a game. And I still think they struggled to put Manly away considering how much ball they had. So, look, I mean, Penrith will be happy that they got the two points, but I see Barrett's argument. Uh, you know, I, 14 penalties is a lot. Well, we're uh, we're talking 8-2, 6-2. Like yeah, it was 9-2, I think, at half time. I'm with you. There was plenty that I looked at and thought that's definitely a penalty, but I saw a couple of penalties as well, and I looked at it at the end when it yeah, got so to 14. I don't think, I'm not favouring either side. I just think the consistency as a whole in the refereeing wasn't very good. If you're going to pick things up, you need to pick them all up. That's what I mean. That 14-4 just seemed well out of line for some stuff I saw in the ruck on the other side and thought, well... I think Manly were that bad. But I don't think Penrith were that well behaved, put it that way. And that, that's probably the thing. The other thing, I, I suppose, it probably rubbed it in on top for me. Again, not being a fan of either side, but the, the first try was a knock-on. He took that the ball off Wunga Blake oh, and he was in front of him and then yeah. he controlled it off a Manly player. Yeah. There was two chances to call that a no-try and it was still that guy. Well, they disallowed one later in the game because of this exact same thing. And I know that there was people out there going, oh, well, you ought to use whinging about you got that try against Newcastle. I get that, but I'm just coming from a neutral perspective. 14-4 uh, penalty count and that first try I thought was blatantly obvious no, and the, the, the bunker again I just look at that and I'm like well, what, are you, what are you there for mm. there was two reasons to not call that a try and uh, in the end oh, I'm not convinced he granted it I just I was just dumbfounded yeah like it, even if you went play on off, off the initial contest in the air which I thought I agree was a knock on I'm not, I'm not 100% sure he granted it. Yeah, I just, yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't think 14-4 was warranted. I, I agree they deserve to get hammered a fair bit, but I thought there could have been a few more the other way as well. But mm. uh, Tackle four, he's caught in a too big of a risk. Mm. They're saying now he looks like he's ready to go, but he needs another run tomorrow. Like, I honestly don't know how much he's really done. He's done the anti-gravity treadmill. We all know that a calf is a really sensitive issue. It's not really something you can needle. It can tear again in an instant, and it's something that involves explosion, which is what his whole job's about. I think he's worth the risk. I, I providing that we can get our interchanges can, right. Can we carry him and Frizzell? That like the Dragons basically said to them, please take into consideration his long term mm. health, not just consider yourselves for this game. He's got two separate rib cartilage injuries. And in well, let's say let's say Cordner goes pop out straight away. Well, what about Graham, him and Frizzell? Graham goes in. I don't think you can risk both of them. That's what I mean. I, but Corden is the I'd one I'm to know. At. I'd need to know that one of them was 100% fit, right to go. I'd, I'd happily risk one, but I, there's no way in the world I'd risk two. Mm. That'll throw your interchanges right out the window. So, Because I think Graham pretty much... Graham's going to go on anyway, so that's an interchange you're going to spend. And Graham can last 80, so you can just put him on and leave him there. So I don't think... Playing Cordner isn't a, isn't a huge risk for mine. I can I can see them risking Cordner, but, but two. That's, I can't risk two. No, that's my. I, issue. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. I, only only New South Wales know and how how fit these guys are, and they've got professionals in there, so yeah, well. they'll make the call. But um, but in the end, boy, Cordner, you know in your head when, whether you're good to go or whether you're not good to go. Um, so running on a treadmill and playing an Origin game are two different things. Exactly. So if you're struggling to run on a treadmill, an anti-gravity treadmill, not a normal run. I'd suggest that he uh, he he wouldn't. Be able to play. And today's field session, or a bit of a pose session, I think he's got one more he's got to do tomorrow. He's literally only just started making. Well, tomorrow's a captain's run. Yeah, well, he only just started to make on field efforts, so that's my concern. And then. Well, I heard he's done two full field sessions and you, didn't have an issue. If you're going to be needling up Frizzell in multiple spots as well, I'm, I don't like mm. the thought of carrying two players like you're saying, because realistically, you get down to 15, there's two guys that basically you're left with rotating, and that's your two front rowers. Like they're not going to roll for uh, Fafita can play big minutes, but in that kind of arena with that extra speed and Woods, they're the two guys you're basically going to be rolling on and off. Mm. There's not really any room for anyone else to go down. Uh, so that's my big issue with carrying two blokes like that. Um, well, once Graham goes, if I said Cordner got injured and goes off 
and Graham goes on, that's fine. Then you've got three, basically three benches, two of them will be prop rotations, which will be sorted, and you've got room for one more 80-minute player to go on, which, which would be Jack Bird. So theoretically, if Frizzell was playing lock, Bird would basically have to go on and play 80 minutes at lock, unless you were going to move one of those edge back rowers into lock play him a full game in there, like a Graham, and play Jack Bird on the edge. Yeah. And then basically you've only got your your, your two benches. Well, you've got Trevojevic and Clemmer are over. going to be rolling as your middles. That's yeah. basically what you're left over with. Um, and, yeah, if you had anyone else getting tired, yeah. Well, put it that way, if, if, if it went that way, you'd have to, they'd have to definitely get 50% of the ball. They couldn't be, afford to be giving away as much possession as what they did in that second half of game mm, two. That's my concern with carrying yeah. two guys potentially, you know, need It's also my ball. concern at Suncorp. I don't think we're going to win a penalty count at Suncorp. No, so. neither do I. And they're going to come after us game three, final game potentially for a few of their players and it's yeah. all heading in their favour regardless of whether people agree with the choices in their team or not. Yeah. It's not where I wanted to be heading for this series. We should have the job done in game two. Uh, tackle five, speaking of, the Queensland side... Slater, is it a storm in a teacup, the ankle injury today? We no, know, I don't think it is. We see these all the time, and apparently a couple of journos have already messaged him up in Queensland, and Kev Wilders has gone, oh, yeah, no, he's good to go 100%. But they turn this stuff off it's all a concern. the time. It's a concern because he he looked in distress, mm. and, you know, they had footage of him go down. Like, I, I don't know. Again, only he knows. I don't think it's a storm in a teacup. It seems to happen in every camp. I get that does, argument. Especially um, on their side of things, there always seems to be a bug or a virus or an injury. Yeah. And the, the, when's somebody not pulled up, basically? That's my issue. I think it's just information that they feed to the media to make sure that that's a storyline, not other things. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. Well, well, only Again, only he knows. Basically, they're saying the grading was the same as what was going to stop Cooper Cronk last time, and miraculously, in five days, he played. Well, he asked the shit out of it. I remember seeing the ankle... Was purple basically Cronk's ankle? Well, I know for a fact these machines, and I think Vaughn got one the other week when he tore his calf. A game time machine they give the players to take home, yeah. So you can compress and ice non-stop, yeah, yeah. and obviously at that level you've got access to physios, doctors non-stop, and they do rip into it. And recovery time is amazing, but in particular now they have those machines that they can take home and mm. start on the rehab instantly to try and recover. So. Uh, I dare say you'd be 100% right. He'd be having a couple of late nights and physio sessions, get yeah. himself ready. Uh, and the last tackle, speaking of that man, Cooper Cronk, there, there is the decision pending on whether he plays on after Origin. He said, obviously, he'll clear things up once it's happened. But the, the word just keeps getting stronger and stronger this whole time when we've talked about all these teams that are a possibility. There's only really one possibility left, and it's getting louder and louder that Cronulla and Shane Flanagan have basically told that Maloney they're not going to pay him. It's full stop. You sign a three-year deal, you either see the deal out or the only way you're going to get out of here somewhere is if we can get Cooper Cronk. And the word is right now, if they can somehow convince Cooper Cronk that he's on board, there's a million-dollar offer on the table from the Newcastle Knights from James Maloney and that's going to be his payday. Okay. So all things given, if you're sitting here and you are the Newcastle Knights first of all and then you are the Cronulla Sharks, are you happy on both Ends of the table. If you're yes. Newcastle, you're happy to pay a million dollars to get James Maloney? Yes. And if you are Cronulla, are you trying to pony up the extra money for him over James Maloney? Yes. Would you prefer Cooper Cronk? Yes. All right. And that's more what I was looking at. So I uh, I don't know. I still get the feeling I don't think he's going to play. I really do. But Yeah, well, that, if, that, this hypothetical is based around him playing. If he is going to go... If he doesn't so, play, then Maloney's going to have to stay there. If I am Cooper Cronk, though, and there was any of the clubs that were talked about originally, this is the only one I would have been interested in Sydney, as far as the way the chips were going to fall. Out of them, the Dogs, South, any of the ones that were floated originally, basically the only one that I would have entertained, and it's funny enough because, again, they've been a bit of a 
rivalry between them and when people mention him going the Bulldogs and the Storm in particular over the last couple of years, this is the only team that interests me. Um, and it's funny how things have worked out. Obviously, it's a hypothetical at this point in time, but where there's smoke, there's fire. And this has been talked about and talked about and talked about. But apparently right now, all this is just waiting for the dominoes to fall. If he says he's good to go, they've got the money. They're willing to let Maloney move on to get his payday. They're not going to upgrade him. They gave him that three-year deal. He's still got a year and a half to run. They're not budging. So if that is the case, there's potentially going to be a knock-on effect here where Newcastle get a big signing and obviously the Cronulla Sharks get Cooper Cronk. Mm. So it could be a win-win all around. Very interesting. But obviously they have to wait and see what happens after the Origin Series finishes up. But that's our set of six. Uh, obviously no power rankings like we said. We'll do power rankings and we'll do our locks and cuts. Well, we don't need to do power rankings because there's only four games. No, we'll do, so. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We'll do them next week and we'll do our, a few more locks and cuts. Yeah, no use doing it uh, at this point in time. But we'll review the games from the weekend because uh, obviously it's only been a short and round and things kicked off. It was Friday night and it was the Bunnies who played the Roosters. Uh, the reserve grade derby. Yeah, uh, well, 14-12. This one finished from memory. Uh, I didn't actually get to see a whole lot of this game. I got home and watched some highlights afterwards, but South again. It's South bit... dropped the ball. They had an opportunity and they dropped it. They lost lost it. Uh, Roosters had their halves out, had obviously Cordner out, and they still couldn't get the job done. They had ample chance. South, I thought, even at the back end of the game, the first half cost them. They, they, they were horrendous first half, and then... It seemed to click a little bit second half, but the scoreboard started to have an impact on their play. And I mean, the Roosters just gritted it out. Uh, there, there was a lot of good footy played. I thought it was a pretty open, um, open sort of game. Jake Friend, the standout for me. I think he made fifty, maybe sixty tackles 61 again. Sixty-one tackles. Luke the Keery, third week in a row, he's made sixty. Yeah, Luke Keery had a pretty solid game. I thought Mitch Cornish played quite well, and he's um, well returned to first grade, I guess. That's the one I wanted to touch on because, as we see so many times in twenties, these guys stand out. But there's certain attributes you need to move into first grade. Mm. And watching him, I always had a big rap on him. But the problem is, in twenties, he didn't have any of those little ticks that you want to see in a first grade half. Yeah. He was a good runner of the football. He scored a lot of points. He kicked some goals, but. Kicking game, game management, but able to steer a side around for a seven. I used to basically watch him and think, you're more of a six, a ball runner. And he always had Jack Ahern, who almost chipped in and did more of the ball playing and the kicking from fullback. Mm. Uh, and he did get found out when he first played grade for Canberra. It took two years. They moved him on. He spent a year last year playing New South Wales Cup, and he was at Parramatta. And I've watched him play New South Wales Cup this year and thought, it's taken some time, but he's really come full circle now. He looks like a bloke who's ready to play first grade. So... Mm. In some of things up for these Rooster fans out there that have been beating the drums about Connor Watson, if I've got to pay Connor Watson big money and he's complaining and whining and I've got some good young kids backing up in Cornish who I've got on the cheap, um, you know, they've got Victor Radley and a couple of these other guys playing the low grades, Garvey's younger brother who plays nine, I'm keeping three or four of these guys on the cheap rather than paying 400 500 for Connor Watson. I'd rather have a couple of guys yeah, backing up rather than one player. So yeah, um, what I've seen in Cornish the other night, I'd be happy to let Watson go. Mm. Well, not much to take away from this. The Roosters probably cements them again up in that top four. And for South, well, they're on life support. They're all but gone. Yeah, and I think the big thing probably coming out of this for the Roosters is what the result's going to be of Michael Gordon's injury. Mm. He's been absolutely outstanding this year, um, and he obviously went off with a pec injury. There's a difference between muscle and tendon. One way he can avoid surgery and maybe only miss a couple of weeks, but if it's the other way around, he could be out for the rest of the season. Mm. So bringing Connor Watson up again, Talk about him playing as a fullback and what well, position. Well, I'd move Mitchell to fullback and I'd play Orbison in the centres. Well, the talk is obviously what the, uh, Watson's the one who's been banging the drum again about what position to play. He'll be given first crack at fullback most mm. likely is uh, 
the way things are looking. But it was good to see Nat Butcher, Lindsay Collins, again, a couple of these guys playing in their New South Wales Cup side, freshly out of the under-20s. They've only lost one game. They're mm. dominating that competition, and it shows the depth they've got this year and a real chance, obviously, if they get things right after Origin, to have a crack at the title. But South's big result the week before, fluffed it this week. Honestly, probably more so with you. What I saw in the first half, they should have banked more points. Mm. They left it too late, and... Full credit to the Roosters on the tough circumstances to bounce back and get that win, which basically does lock them in for the top four, you'd think. But uh, moving on, next game uh, was obviously the one that we were just talking about before. It was the Panthers versus Manly, 16-8. They got the job done, but uh, in all honesty, I still wasn't impressed. Uh, I don't want to beat up on them too much, but I said it a couple of weeks ago, I have no idea what they're doing, in particular inside 20 uh, the kicking, the fact that Matt Moylan seems to have full control of that bothers me. I don't know what's happened this year or what's been told Nathan Cleary, but he should be doing all the fifth play kicking. Mm. Uh, yeah, the fact they keep getting caught with the football as well on fifth tackle is reminding me of the Bulldogs uh, in similar fashion to the sense that we both agree that it's fine to run the ball on the last, but you need to have a point to what you're doing. Run a set play, going for points, but the amount of times that Penrith just get caught with the football and look like they have no, no idea what's going on on fifth play is just shit me to tears. And they had that much football inside 20. There should have been some repeat sets or more points. Yeah. They and play um, play far too sideways. They play to the corner posts. Um, and they don't have a lot of inside options. They don't have a lot of inside trails. They don't push up. Yeah, it seems to be a lot of, I guess, just off-the-cuff footy. So they got this result. Look, a good result because Manly have been playing well. Uh, and Manly obviously had the bonus of having both Jabojevic and Cherry Evans, who I expected to... Both go to origin. Uh, they they had them both in, but I don't take a lot out of this game. Manly can go away. They defended their line really well. They had a lot of possession against them. Their discipline obviously is of some concern, but it's only it's a bit of an outlier in the fact that they haven't given away that many penalties usually, uh, or, or as in terms of a pattern throughout the season. So something that Barrett will have to look at, but something he's not going to be overly panicking about. Um, for Penrith, they move on to the Warriors this week. They both got seven wins. And you'd think probably the loser of that game is is going to be very, very difficult for them to make the top eight. So Penrith live to fight another day. Manly will be okay. They're going to, they're going to be in the eight, you'd think. And uh, Penrith, yeah, who, who knows what to take out of that. They're going to have to be more consistent. You know, on the road, that's their first loss for the year on the road. Uh, would it have been nice to win, kick on and probably push closer to the top four? Yes, but I still think they're going to be in the top eight. Yeah. Um, as far as Penrith, that gives a little flicker of hope, I guess, for their finals hope, but they're still two wins away from the Dragons. So, uh, have Yeah, to well, Dragons need to keep losing, and Penrith and either the Warriors yeah, well, need to keep winning. Do the Dogs now on seven wins The Dogs well? are now on seven as well. Yeah. South Sprite basically ended their season on the weekend. They're only on six. So, um, yeah, yeah, so well, a few someone teams. like South, they're going to need what? South have played 16 games. They're going to need they need six from eight, and that's to get to 12 wins. So, and yeah. and you've said all along, someone may need 13 to get in. So, well, even now it might even be less if the Dragons keep losing, and these teams are all going to start playing each other that I spoke about: Raiders, Dragons, Panthers, Warriors. They might all steal wins off each other and make it even lower to get that spot. But it's just well, crazy. that's what I that was my thinking. Yeah, well, so I've, I've I thought the dragons who, who might. Knows? I thought the dragons might kick on, but obviously they're flattened out. So, mm. well, I think the eels, the eels sort of cemented themselves. They're now ten wins. It's really Seagulls, the dragons. Broncos, Cowboys, eels are all on ten wins, so they've yeah. only got to really win two more games, and you'd expect them all to do that quite comfortably. The dragons, they need to win three more, and then when you when you flip it around, you're looking at Penrith five, Warriors five, Raiders six, Rabbitohs six, 
and the Dogs five. So yeah, and the Titans and Titans the six, six as well. As well. Yeah. But, yeah, see how that plays out. Uh, the next game was the Eels versus the Storm. Uh, this one, as you'd expect, Melbourne missing six players. The Bromwich and Harris were in doubt heading into this one. Uh, they both ended up playing, but I saw Harris went off with that MCL sprain. He's played the last couple of weeks with that. I don't understand that. Mm. Um, especially in the Brisbane game, they tried to put him back on. If he's injured and you're winning, just rest him. Yeah, okay. Even leading into the weekend, honestly, from a Melbourne point of view, I would have been happy for us to go on without those two players and just take the fact that you've already got 13 wins and look forward to uh, having a break. But I heard Craig Bellamy apparently yesterday say that he's very proud, very happy with the way the origin periods played out and they're going to do video review and have a week off. And yeah. they've got the buy coming up. So he's expecting them to be a little bit flat after the origin period and those players to come back maybe for the first game or two, but they've earned it. They've got the wins on the board and he reckons they're going to benefit the long run, which is half the part of what we always say. You're better off banking your wins early so the pressure's off at the back end of the year. Mm. Um, as far as this game is concerned, though, Parramatta keep pressing their claims to be one of these sides in the eight, and as you should have done, uh, they had, they weren't origin affected. They got the job done. Nathan Brown has been probably now, if you're looking at things and saying buy of the year, I think he has been the buy of the year as far as value for money. Yeah, they picked him up fairly cheap, and he's been he's outstanding. A machine. Yeah, machine. Um, I still feel that Norman is kind of taking a step backwards since now Gutherson's at fullback and Moses in six. It's like there's a couple other guys there. I don't know if it's so much people overcalling him, but I feel he's a little bit comfortable when there's more people around him. I kind of like the fact that early yeah. on in the year it almost seemed like he had to take things by the scruff. It was of the his neck. team, yeah. So I'd like to think that he's going to kind of step back. I know he's come back from a couple of injuries as well, so maybe that's another reason. But uh, you know, Moses is pretty good. Cameron King, for anyone out there that doesn't know, was probably the best hooker in my age group. He's had a shocking run of injuries, but this is a guy that probably would have been on track to be a future representative player. Mm-hmm. So why his ceiling may have dropped after having pec, shoulder, knee reconstructions, he's a good football player. Mm. So if he stays healthy, for anyone, like I said, you probably haven't seen a whole lot of him. He's a quality footballer. That could end up working quite well in their favour. Yeah. Um, at dummy half, but provided my, he stays injury free. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My, my biggest issue probably with this performance in the Eels is similar to the week before. They banked some points early, and granted, when the sin bidding happened, and rightfully so, they scored those two tries. I felt they put the cue on the rack in the second half. Uh, I thought they should, probably should have teed up on Melbourne a little bit more, but yeah, uh, and they they were probably lucky that I don't know Nathan Brown saved one. I can't think of who saved the other, but there were a couple of try scoring opportunities for the Storm that would have really tightened the game up, but they managed to avoid it by. Diffusing them, but yeah, it probably wasn't as convincing as I would have liked to have seen it. The result, no, but in the, at the end of the day, like we said, they got the result. Got to get these wins. They did get the job done, but more of an eighty-minute game, and I suppose just a bit more positivity in the second half. I thought mm. they came out. And That's were, probably Semi's best game of the year. Yeah, you know, early on, he had two or three line breaks, mm. you know, just off kick returns, and uh, you're right, he was he was quite exceptional. But probably another case, uh, I think, in that game of seeing Tim Manor cop another head knock and struggle. Uh, no, we've said it before. And I said it, what, two years ago, and yeah. you all laughed at me. But... I didn't laugh. Yeah, I agree with you. No. I said that the signing, and they've done it again, is more of a culture thing, and I guess he is there. But honestly, um, you can't how, get... How he starts the game is dumbfounding to me. You can't, yeah. Well, the rumours are, and I think we've probably all started to hear a little bit now that Junior Paula is considering going back there once out of Canberra, so... Mm. I uh, could damn well think that they'd uh, enjoy having him paired up with Sui Matungi and Nathan Brown. Meet the Wenny coach, Tim Manor. Well, three-year deal they only just gave him, like I said. I know, Unbelievable. I know he's probably a great bloke, and that, that's very clear well, to see. We want to have signed it for minimum. Yeah, well, you think we want to hope it's for lower money if they're going to keep him around just for cultural reasons. Cause... Yeah. Well, no doubt it he's a good guy. I'm oh, only judging him on his football ability. Totally and his football great. ability, 
leaves a little bit to be wanted. Mm. Well, Clint Gufson continues to improve. I think the move for him at fullback and Bevan French the wing is best for the team. Bevan French is still injecting himself from that side of the field. and uh, Overall, there's room for improvement, but 10 wins and heading towards the finals. Good yeah. for them. And Melbourne, I was impressed again. Uh, there was a few flat spots there during the game, as to be expected with so many changes, but uh, I really like the future. I like Jerome Hughes. I love Brody Croft. There's a lot of positives there for Melbourne. Yeah, there is. Probably the quiet one for me, though, surprised me, Ado Carr. Thought he would have, uh, I know he's a winger, but he's been so busy all year. I thought the other night he was found a little bit wanting, to be honest. There was a few moments, so I was just kind of like, okay, mm. a bit surprised. But uh, six Origin players, other guys been in and out, so not really fussed about that. Good win with the Eels. Last game, though, Bulldogs 20-18 over Newcastle. Honestly, the Bulldogs... Celeb- it was a stink fest. Celebrate it as you will, and I'm, I feel good for Josh Reynolds, and it was a Belmore all well and good, but honestly, that shit try at the end off a charge, uh, good on him. He jumped up, he charged it down, it fell on his lap, but that sums up how shit their attack is. Mm. That's how you won a game. You Look, won I, a thought, game. I thought their attack was good in the first half. I thought they really opened Ooh. the shackles, and they, they looked to offload the ball a little bit. Reynolds back gave him a good spark. He was playing a lot off the cuff. But just when they get into set pieces and down on it's the goal true. line, they, they can't find points. And they can't find points. How when when did it sink into his head finally? Like he finally gave Fitella Marin a game, someone with some yeah. leg speeds and, and then he benched him. At the back end. Like honestly, he just must love fat, slow, lazy people with no legs. But like when when they get set pieces like you're saying and have all those forwards on, it just it's slow motion. Yeah. And the first time they put someone with a bit of dynamic and Francis Talao's a bit quicker and that. He just he took Fitella Marin off at the end, and you're right. They got back into their old ways in the second half, but I just hate watching. I really do. And Newcastle didn't deserve to lose that game, and it was even more punishing the way it happened. Mm. And everyone freaking out about this goal-kicking thing. You know, they're all hacking into Brock Lamb. He's 24 or 27. He's a gun junior goal-kicker. Clearly he thinks, oh, him and Hodkinson agree he had the better leg because you're obviously going to compromise your accuracy if you're going to hit a ball from a bit further out. I, I don't understand why Hodkinson didn't kick it. Well, if, he's your, if he's your number one choice kicker, he has to. T- it looks like me he shit himself. He didn't want the pressure of taking that kick. Yeah, I get, and my poor old Brock Lamb's got to take it. All these people are saying now that that's going to ruin him. I highly doubt. No, I don't think so. Side who are the wooden spooners? They're not playing in the semi. To me, if I'm the and I have goal kicked, yeah, you want to. That's my kick. That's your kick. No, but, no one's taking that kick off me. The only thing I can assume is, like I said, clearly he thinks he's got a better leg, and that was the decision. Better leg? It was 30 out. I, I'm with you. But that's... Like, I don't mind if it, if I have a crack and it lands short. Land short. It's better than Brock. Brock Lamb tried to hammer the shit out of it. He did. And he shipped it. <laughs> he's copping a lot of flack for some uh, keyboard warriors, and I'm a bit surprised. No, of course, yeah. It's one shot at goal. He didn't lose in the game. Yeah. They, you know, those those two tries. Well, it was his, his charge down, his kick or whatever that... Wasn't his kick that got charged down as well? At the end, it no, wasn't. It was wasn't his Hawkins kick got charged down, but still. No, I I don't hold any any animosity. I don't think he lost in the game. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a reserve grade standard side playing again, and then again, it wasn't it, his best all, play. All this like is done. Kick charged down. All the Brock Lamb thing has done is cover up what I'm trying to get at, which is the Bulldogs are shit. And that, as far as I'm concerned, Des Hasler, if they would have lost that game yesterday, would have been under severe pressure to see the year out. In my mm. opinion, um, it's just giving him a new deal. Oh, yeah, well, I think they've done something smart for once, though. Their deal is laced with a bunch of uh, clauses that basically say they can bail out for half a year's wages. So okay. it's not tied in for eight, nine hundred, two years, you have to pay out the full amount. If they want to bail out, I think it's something like half a season's pay and it's game over. So he'd get a couple hundred thousand dollars and be able to okay. get the door. Dean Pay sitting there at Canberra basically already knows that job's his mm-hmm. as long as things go because they want an ex-Bulldog in. Um, 
whether he's the man to take things over and change it, I don't know. I don't mm. know a whole lot about could Dean Payne. Ricky but... Stewart could be without a deal if the Canberra stuff keeps going the way it is. <sighs> I don't know. But That's honestly, a little starter for Ricky. So. I'm going to just put it in that sense. I was happy for Josh Reynolds and all that, but all that win did in the end. I think is... we've, we've spoken too much about this game. Yeah, but all it's done is give more plaudits and covered up the fact that they're a pretty average at football. Mm. And... They stink. We've said that for weeks, so move on. Yep. All right. Raymond Fitala Mariner, though. Please, Des Hasler. Play him. Mm. All right? Play him. Poor old Newcastle. Who's your player of the round, mate? You brought that back in last week. Mate, player of the Who's round. Who's your player of the round? I got Jake Friend. I thought Jake Friend was super on uh, on Friday night. 60-odd tackles, killed it. Well, I'd probably have to agree with you, to be honest, but I uh, honestly... I don't know. I, di- I didn't really pay too much attention. I more got frustrated. Josh Reynolds was good yesterday. I thought Josh Reynolds played well. Mm. I was more frustrated with... Uh, what I watched, I'm probably going to go with the same bloke I went with. Oh, I didn't go with him last week, actually, so I will go with him. Nathan Brown. Yeah, Nathan yeah, well, he Brown was super. Was outstanding. I had Michael Morgan last week and was very close to going Nathan Brown, but yeah, I, I don't know. The turnaround from the Tigers kid that started the fight in the 20s to being a bit labelled a bit of a grub and then moving to South and only playing 15, 20 minute stints to now playing full games. Mm. Brad Arthur has certainly maximised uh, him as a person and a player. And <clears throat> like I said, for about 150K or whatever they reckon he's getting, that's value for money. Yeah. If you're talking about buys of the year, but uh, that wraps up our reviews and the matches from the weekend. Obviously, set of six done as well. So we'll jump into some of your fan questions. Obviously, without the uh, the power rankings needing to be done. So we got here Wombat, Morgan at centre, Munster at six, halfback on the bench. What can the selectors be thinking? I don't get it. Well, they're so. thinking that they need to have a half on the bench as cover, like they always do. Um, I. They're thinking that the Melbourne spine is the way to go and that Morgan obviously looked good at centre last game, so that's why they've gone. I don't agree with it. <coughs> Again, I think looking at some of the options that they had, uh, I wasn't bringing O'Neill back in Yeah. Uh, as far as the halves are concerned. Cherry Evans, I think if he was ever going to play Origin with Thurston, it didn't really work. But with Cronk, I definitely think it could. Mm. Uh, but clearly they've gone against that. I can see the Melbourne Storm thinking and obviously his teammates have some input into that. So at the end of the day, that's not just on Kevin Walters. I obviously think that's on those three players that wanted him in there as well. Yeah. Uh, and Morgan, again, if you've seen a bit of the juniors, the defensive spot doesn't bother me as much, and he's definitely quick enough to play at centre, but they made him play there for a year or two before he got back into grade, really. So he, I know it's not NRL level, but he has played centre. Yeah. So I think that's another side where they've looked at it and probably ticked all the boxes in that sense. So the other way you would have gone about it's what we talked about. Gagai would have been pushed into the centres. Oates would have come back on the wing. Yeah. Which, again, I don't have a huge problem with. But uh, that utility spot, they always do it. We never agree with it. I don't agree with ever carrying that utility that they seem to. But that's just what they've done with their side. They've won 10 of the last 11. So it's pretty hard to question anything they want to do. Yeah. And that's probably the only way I can really look at it right now. Gavin, Sam Burgess, ill-disciplined, cost South one last shot at scoring on Friday night. Poor from your captain. Yeah. Fair, fair call. Well, I think in all fairness to him, Gavin, that's like I said, not defending uh, that on Friday, he's been their heart and soul this season and they've been pretty poor full stop. So uh, poor old Sammy Burgess has definitely done his fair share for South this season. Yeah, yeah that no like, no one's going to argue that. No, but his just... discipline at times is lacking. Yeah. Will St. Clair, I think there's a game on Wednesday night that might be worth mentioning. Well, mate, we're definitely going to be talking about it. Don't worry. We're going to do we're a getting full there, preview later on. Nick Beckers, buyer of the year. Nathan Brown is a beast. Also, how good is Gutherson? And I'm not a Parramatta fan. Yeah, hard to argue. Gutherson was there last year, wasn't he? 
Well, he's been there, but I guess the development, and he's holding down a spot now. Well, Nathan Brown's there by the year. The other thing that I still don't get, and this really pisses me off because all these so-called experts, they're like, oh, I don't know whether he's a fullback. He played juniors all the way through as a fullback. He was the junior Kangaroos New South Wales 20s fullback. Maybe do some research before you comment on someone's background and what position they play. Mm. So they're like, oh, I think he was a winger. I think he was a senate. No, it's not that hard to look a couple of years back and go, oh, he was the best in his position coming through the grades. That makes sense. Mm. Reason for Luke Curie's poor form, thought he sparked up against the Rabbits, but Cornish was the star half for the Roosters. That was dubbed yeah, They were both pretty solid. I don't know. Curie, to me, is passing the ball too much. He needs to start uh, start running. Yeah, he's getting it sideways, and he's pretty easy to pick out when he does so because he's so small. He needs to straighten back up. And uh, I guess this period, again, has been a bit harder for him because Pierce has been in and out. The origin effect has been a bit more responsibility on him, and he's not really a first receiver. Yeah. He's more a 5'8", likes to run the football, not organise things, but... I thought Cornish definitely uh, has improved over his couple of years now after having to play cup. One here for you. Uh, punter number one says, Brock, from a coaching perspective, why it doesn't, and would you in his position, Des publicly acknowledge the problems with the Doggies' attack? It would earn him respect all around, plus take pressure off them. All the six, seven, and nine here and read every week is how putrid their attack is. This has to be psychologically draining for them when they're simply following Des's game plan. Why doesn't he acknowledge it? He doesn't acknowledge it because if he acknowledges it, he acknowledges there's a problem. Simple as that. And then he's got to own that and be accountable to that. So I'm not sure whether behind closed doors to his players he's acknowledging there's problems with it because it did look like there were slight changes in their attack yesterday. But to publicly acknowledge it um, would probably put himself under pressure or more (coughs) pressure than what he's currently under. And I guess... uh, not force the club into making a comment on it or acting on it, but it'd give the club, how do I say it, not reason to be worried if he's pub, uh, commenting on it publicly. I, I certainly wouldn't be pu- uh, commenting publicly on it. Uh, I get I get why, because we're all looking at it going, well, it's dog shit. The attack's really, really poor. My, my uh, only issue or our issue on it is that it doesn't seem to be changing, at least if if you're working on it and you're acknowledging it then things should be changing. But it doesn't seem like, well, at least in the past two or three years, nothing's changed with the attack. So that, that's the that's the worrying point of view for me. And if he is coaching to change it, it's not working. No, but that's the thing. I think it's and pretty... if you can't see it, then... It looks pretty... You know, over. It's, it's worrying in itself. So, look, it's still a worrying situation either way. I, you're never going to hear him acknowledge it publicly. No, but the big issue, like I said, if you go back and watch 2012 to now... Different personnel or not, they are literally doing 80% of what they were doing when they made a grand mm. final in 2012. Well, when you ask the question, would I? I? I probably would. I would because I'd, I'd be coming out and saying, well, this is how I'm fixing it. Yeah. You know, I understand that there's reasons. These are the reasons. This is how I'm trying to fix it. Simple. Yeah. I don't think – I think these coaches think too much into what they say, that another coach is going to get an edge on them. Like every coach can say they're a tax poor. Everyone that watches the game could say they're a tax pretty poor. And, you know, how they target it or how they defend against it, it's pretty easy. So I don't think Desert would be doing, you know, giving anyone any extra or any sort of heads up on anything tactically that's going to be an advantage to another team Yeah. if he came out and publicly acknowledged it. So I don't understand why he doesn't. Yeah, but I... I look, he'd be a 1,000 to 1 to come out and acknowledge it. <coughs> oh, stubborn as a bull. Yeah. The Buckster. Can you boys please do an impression of a different coach each week? Can't stop laughing at the Laurie and Des impressions. I thought Des was all right last week. Yeah, he, he, he was okay. 
oh, no, I don't, I don't really think there's anything wrong with these, you know, completion mm. rates. And uh, if we just do all that stuff right, t- t- Tony, that's his name, isn't it, Tony? We, we, Bellamy, Craig Bellamy likes to, uh, well, uh, as, as I say. Like I say. As I say. I was really proud of the players. Thought uh, the boys were good there, but. As I say. If the refs are going to call things like that, they're going to be more consistent. That's, yeah. that's just a little bit frustrating from my point of view, and it kind of hurt me in the box. But as I say. It was a good halftime chat with him, actually, Hannah Hollis, at halftime on the weekend. Oh, I thought I thought we just sort of started the game and, you know, we had a little bit of stage fright. Mm. It was good. Loved it. He's the best. Good on you, Craig. I love Craig. I love it. He comes down and he's red as a freaking oh. beetroot. The best thing is he comes out and he speaks like he's so He's so uh, well-mannered to the, the yeah, females. That's right, mate. He's he, just a gentleman. He literally comes out he's after a he's probably sprayed the whole blood red in there and then he comes out and like, oh, how you going? Hey, Hannah, how are you? I'll come down. I love it how they've all got to walk with him, but yeah, the oh, other coaches mate, stop. He's he, got to walk. He's going for the elevator. You're good. going with him or you get out of his way. Simple. Excellent. Yeah. Michael Johnson. You're not, you're not going to throw in a lorry there? Laurie Daly. Oh. We might I, throw that in later. I think in the that Des Hasler needs to make some changes to his attack, and Laurie is the man to fix it. Right. Maybe they can get him in on a consulting type role for the Bulldogs too. Laurie would love that, oh. wouldn't he? Bit of cash. Maybe he can consult both on the attack and then how to use your interchanges as well. <sighs> well, Michael Johnson did Hocko not take the final kick because he didn't want to ruin Reynolds' Belmore send off. Q conspiracy music. Also, only joking. <laughs> <laughs> No. No. I think he's butthole shriveled, shrunk in a little bit, tightened. It's plenty he didn't want to do it. All right. To me, you're the man. You're on big money. You played in an origin series. You put the ball on the tee and you win the team. Uh, you draw, draw it up there. You're the big time player. Step up. Yep. True that. Mitch, do you think that the Titans will eventually be gone from the comp, a fan base that doesn't seem to be growing and hasn't seen much success? Yeah, well, it's got to be 50-50. Who's going to buy the place? Well, that's the main thing, I guess, now when we hear all this talk that if the players get the deal they want from the RLPA, that the NRL is going to throw it back on the clubs and say from now on, if anyone goes bust, basically, the only way out is relocation or you die. Mm-hmm. So looking at this side of things, they haven't got to buy out just yet. That's easy to say, but what happens if four or five clubs die? Yeah, well, that's exactly right. Um, I just... Yeah, it's it's hard, but we'll see. I don't know the Titans. I don't really know if the Suns have got a real grip up, up they there. Don't. Neither of them have really had any success. So they don't. They of... need they need to be successful. People watch successful teams and at least have some sort of history of success. The Gold Coast, the furthest ever, and I'm a Gold Coast fan, the furthest ever gone in the NRL is to a preliminary final. We got smashed by the Roosters in and 2010. Long, I was going to say, that was a while ago now. No, I haven't no. made the eight. Well, we made the eight last year, but Prior to that. we didn't because we finished ninth and Parramatta getting kicked out got us in. Yeah. So it was by default. And then we got kicked. We basically got backdoored by the refs. Fuckers. So still, <laughs> the Brisbane game is still oh, fuming about it. Fuming about it. Yeah, but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and we're not going to get there this year. So, yeah, I understand. I wouldn't go watch them play. No, not if I lived up there, I wouldn't either. I'd stay at home, what they dish up. Mr. Sharkmeister, the potential of the power back line could rival the team of the 80s. Where does Hoffman fit in? Well, he doesn't fit in, does he? Well, he doesn't fit in at the moment. I no. guess next year he might fit in when Radrara is gone. But right now with French, not right now, Gatherson, Jennings and whatnot, and at the same time, I wouldn't say it rivals the... Could pre- rival the team in the 80s, not the, with Takarangi. The 80s won three premierships. So I don't think we can start yeah. talking about rivaling a side that... Uh, if they won, win one, that'd still, be a good start. It's a fair, fair comparison. They, they, are, they haven't won a comp since 1986. So. It is a pretty electric back line, but yeah, I wouldn't be comparing it to a three-time premiership side. That's this, is, sure. this, is our, this is a tweet we've got a little laugh at. Simon it. Fraser, since my nephew was born, Canterbury's attack has gotten shitter and shitter. Is it all his fault and should I get a new nephew? Yeah, you should. You should. Oh, I don't know. I, I just, it's dead, mate. 
It's all Des. Des. <clears throat> how do you how do you blame me for that? There's, there's nothing wrong with the attack. I just. I mean, what was it? Uh, yes, it was about the rest, Tony. Like, I think he's, he's got a, he's got a bit of job on his hands, Tony. Got to improve the standard. He wasn't I wouldn't. Happy. I wouldn't. Uh, Des shouldn't be talking about other people being accountable in their jobs. The having stuff to do. The Voldemorts. You know the people that you can't say their name. The one, the ones whose name we shall not mention. <laughs> Voldemort's classic. Swanee, uh, what's he got here? He's saying something about watch the bandwagon fill up if they make a win a GF. That's all it would take. That's in reference to the Gold Coast. Yeah, you have to make a grand final first. Unfortunately, that's right. Nick, should Henry Perinara get a new job? He doesn't have the temperament to be a first grade referee. He ruins every game he referees. Yeah. Um... Well, you know the most disappointing thing, Nick, is originally I thought he was doing a pretty good job and he related well to the players being an ex-player at the start. It seems that he's turned into a real referee over time and slowly infected him. He is a genuine ref now. And the show pony, T, he drops up the time out. Yeah, I I had uh, some high hopes the first year or so and thought he was doing a right job, but the Mm. the longer time has gone on... Well, based on the weekend, he stinks. He's not having a good time, that's for sure. NRL Profits, was Des five minutes away from getting the chop? No, but he should be. Well, should have been. I said before, I uh, kind of agree. I don't think he would have got the chop, but I'll tell you what, there would have probably would have been one of their emergency board meetings again going, why, the, why did we give him another two-year contract after that? So, Well, Raylene did, and now she's gone. So I, I think the ground that Des is standing on is pretty shaky. I dare say that next year, and like I said, everything's basically lined up for Dean Pay to return, that he'll probably get given. Next year, but they'll give him a window, like six to eight weeks, something like that, and mm-hmm. basically say if things aren't on the right track, you're out. We're just going to cut ties and move on yeah. early doors. So uh, it's going to be a big preseason at Belmore, that's for sure. Casper, when people talk about expansion or relocation, it's always Perth, Brisbane, or Adelaide. Do you think Melbourne will ever get a second side? Well, not in the foreseeable future. No. It's going to be Brisbane first, I'd and imagine. How Perth, all... Perth's good because it gives us that extra time slot. The way you look at this, though, you look at the success that Melbourne's had and you're not even going to come close to replicating what you've got there. And I'm a Melbourne fan, to be honest. If they weren't that successful, would they have anywhere near the following they do right now? No. And to put a second team in there in an already struggling thing where AFL dominates, I think it would die instantly Mm. and it wouldn't compete with the Storm. It's already hard enough for the Storm to get enough exposure. Yeah. Um, I think Brisbane's your most obvious one. If you're going to put a second team somewhere, and the other one would be New Zealand. I know people probably argue New Zealand's not doing well, but as far as juniors and production of players, there's so many uh, young uh, Polynesians playing the game that I think you could easily house a second team there. But Brisbane would be your number one location. There's a taste for it, and you get 10 or 12 games a year. Um, they get massive crowds, so that's your obvious location. We already did. Oh, I think PNG as well. Yeah, well, they're coming first right now, the Queensland Cup, and they're working on that. I guess the thing there is getting players Not to move now. there. I mean, maybe 10, 15 years' time. Yeah. Have to build up a good base. Definitely. Uh, moving on, Sean McCon, uh, how can tripping be regarded as such a low-grade offence? I don't understand. Mate, well, uh, it, is a, it depends on the impact that it has on the player. Same big, as a swinging arm, same as a anything, no. you know? It's a big difference, I think. But my big thing... No, I, th- I think it's a based on the intent. Like, if you go in and want to really trip someone... And I think it should be graded higher than. I'm not saying these guys accidentally trip, but they're not really hard trips. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I think more so. My frustration is this supposed rule where if you have repeat offences on something, you get extra loading. Yeah. Yeah. Josh Reynolds did two or three uh, in quick succession, never got charged for it, and then when the third one happened, unlike when Greg Bird got done three times for that lifting tackle, got a bulk suspension. Somehow the loading would have got him about six weeks. Uh, Josh Reynolds didn't get anything. Mm. Um, so. There was a few on the weekend, actually, that creeped in. Mm. Dominic Peter Peter, who would get the captaincy if Boyd were out? 
If it was me, I'd start Wade Graham and I'd make him captain. That's me. Mm. Who? Who knows? Jackson? I don't know. But how long is Jackson going to be there for? That's the thing. If Wade Graham The problem comes is in, when we, we're not winning series and no one's future is really sealed, is it? Maybe. Well, you we can't give it to Pete's. Pete's is probably no, the only. Pete's, Pete's and Tedesco are probably the only two that I can really look at and go. They're going to be playing in four years' time if they're fit. Well, if out Boy- of our key position players, Maloney's going to be too old, and I don't know about Pierce's form. If Corden is out, for me, it's an O'Brien. I don't know. If yeah, Wade Graham is straight in, and he's the captain. I think the way mm. he plays, the style of play that he has. I agree. I just don't know whether you can promote someone from the bench and then make him captain straight away. But yeah, yeah, him or Jackson. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Ladder, Buzz Rothfield reporting 50-50 possibility of Maloney tonight's Crunch Sharks. Yeah, we'll spoke spoke about, about that before. Yeah. Thoughts, mate? I think it's probably good for both sides if it can happen. But, yeah, clearly once the payday, they don't want to give it. He signed a contract. They're sticking to their guns. So uh, they're, they're every right to do so. Jordan Palmer, what does Bellyache see in young Tonema that everyone else doesn't? Bloke can't hold the ball or defend to save his life. Well, I'll tell you what he sees. A cheap wage. And he's a Victorian, and there's only a couple that they've had. They've had Richie Kenner. I don't know what he sees. They've had himself and Mahe Fanua. So they've only had three that have kind of come from the area. But I think he's pretty ordinary. Yeah, I guess, again, when you're in that situation and you're a bit top-heavy, you can't be too choosy, can you? Nope. He's a local junior. They've got him on a cheap wage, mate, and sometimes you've got to do those bargain basement deals. I definitely think the effort's there, but you are right. There's definitely some errors that do come with him and some poor decisions, but... Mm. Um, that's what happens when you've got to juggle a salary cap. You can't always have uh, the best players in your top 25. Mm-hmm. Jay Strasberg says, boys, pick us a 70-man Aussie squad based purely on form right now. I can't pick injured players. All right, well, let's go from the origin teams. Who would you pick at fullback? Yeah. Slater. Mm-hmm. wouldn't pick Tedesco. Uh, wingers? Holmes? Well, Holmes already got a wing spot for Australia. Well, it's pretty... Who would hard. be your other winger? Ferguson? Yeah. And then you go... Will Chambers is definitely money centers. Yeah, Chambers, Dugan. Dugan's been good enough for him. If you're going off the comp, though, I know I sat down and really looked at this, it'd be a bit different. I'd, I'd pick a totally different 17 so squad. It's pretty hard at 9 o'clock at night, though, off the top of my head after work to come up with something. Uh, halves, well, right now, you're still looking at Cronk and that, surely. Yeah, well, you can't pick Thurston. No. Uh, to be honest, I know everyone... Who would you pick in the halves now that Thurston, Thurston's out? Who would you partner with Cronk with? Maloney. They still have Morgan on the bench. you got Maloney there. Uh, it's pretty sketchy, to be honest. DCE. If you're going to go off form, honestly, yeah. that's probably who you'd have in your halves. Your nine, Smith. Yeah. Props. Your front rowers for Fafita. Australia. Fafita's definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. I would have considered Vaughny part of if you were going off form before he got injured. Uh, yeah, not right now. Him. He's injured and he's not available. So you're looking at Woods. Clemmer. Woods, Clemmer, Trebojevic, uh, who's playing for bloody Queensland? Napa, <clears throat> Papali. Napa's been good. Napa's been good, but I don't know. I think we're, Australia were a bit... Back rolls. Back rolls are pretty easy. The New South Wales back rolls. No. It's, it's almost like you get the New South Wales forward pack and the uh, Queensland back one, really, isn't it? To some extent, yeah. yeah. And on the flip side of that, though, you can shuffle that many ways. You can make an argument that Cordner and Gillette are the back rollers, but then Wade Graham fits in there somewhere. Jackson's good enough to play on that side. Papali's up there. Like The back row's loaded. Mm. There's a lot of ways you can load that and sort the bench. I think <clears throat> at the end of the season, more so, Jay, when the Australian thing's picked, we'll pick a side on form then because I can guarantee you, as much as he said he's going to pick it on form, there'll be a couple of people in there that people don't agree with, that's for sure. Diego Montoya, New South Wales are down on the scorecards. Who rounds up the boys and gives them a speech to put the fire in their bellies? Corner. 
<laughs> Courtney doesn't strike me as much of a talker. That's why I think so. Yeah, away Graham. Away Graham and people like this seem to be the ones that are a bit more vocal. I reckon Courtney would rip in. Behind closed doors, I reckon he'd tear the paint off. Mm, I don't know. Maloney? Th- he's more of an actions man to me. Yeah. Maloney, uh, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's more of a way, Graham. I look at, I think we've got a few quieter boys like Jackson Corner that are more about the actions than they so much of speech. Josh Deans, is it just me or do you guys get highly frustrated with players being penalised for illegal stripping of the ball? It is such a low percentage play. Do you get up players you coach for such stupid things? Yep. <clears throat> Anything that's controllable or elim- I can eliminate out of being a problem for my teams, I uh, I want to get rid of. And stripping the ball is one of them. Trying to bat the ball down from markers, but another so, one, I hate that. I think the other one, and just hitting the ball down if you yeah, don't... in general. Yeah, if you're not going to get If it's not it, stopping a try, then don't do it. Yeah, or if you're not going to take a pick or you don't have a clean shot at it, don't hit the ball. The other thing is, if you're going to hit the ball, hit it up, don't hit it down, because if you hit it up, at least you're a chance of catching it. Yeah, and especially when you're three or four tackles into a set inside 20 and you see these blokes knock a ball down, you're like, did you really have to do that? Mm. Kenny Edwards did it the other week, killed me. Fifth tackle, went for a pick. I'm like, what are you doing shooting out of the line yeah. trying to take an intercept? They just did three sets on their line. Of all the people that's going to take a pick 90 metres out and take it to the bank, it's not you, Kenny. It Edwards. ain't you, man. Yeah. Just make the play, shut it down. Will Marchington, with the under-20s going next year, what is the new restructure going to be in regards to reserve grade 18s, etc.? What is your opinion on what is going to work Well, 18 16s are saying the same, yeah. state base, and basically the 20s are going to fall in line with it, but it's going to go for the entire season. Yeah. The length is different. Queensland, New And reserve grade is going to stay the same. I don't think too much is going to change. No, but basically it's Queensland-based, New South Wales-based, just like it is now for Q Cup, New South Wales Cup. Yeah. But they're basically going to mix in the 20s with the guys that are playing Super Premiership. Pretty much. It'll go back to reserve grade being the number one reserve grade, basically. Yeah. But are they going to have 21s or 23s or something else? 20s. Like no, no, just 20s. Just 20s. Well, there you go. Yeah. So basically all it is is splitting the 20s into a cut-based format, yeah. New South Wales, Queensland. Pretty much. Yeah. That's as simple as it is. I don't really have a big problem with it, but the main thing for me and doing those games and commentating them now, the 20s are on the TV, it's hit and miss a lot of the time and it's very loose, but it's sad when I go to Campbelltown or Newtown and there's 26 NRL players playing in front of 50 people in a game. Mm. So they should definitely be on the TV if anything's going to be on the TV before the 20s. So that's probably. I'd like to see the 16s, well, maybe not the 16s, but I'd like to see the 18s competition go full time as well, like to a full length. I don't, I don't think 18s should be playing club football. I think once they're in a system, just stick them in the system, keep them there. Yeah, fair enough. If I if we're going to go to the down the development pathway, if I'm a player, uh, sorry, if I'm a club, and I'm coaching these 18s up till about Easter. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And then I'll let them go back to their junior clubs and you get some coaches there that wouldn't know their ass from their elbow or that are trying to teach them to be NRL players and wrestling and coaching them to be robots. Um, I think it's a bit of an issue and then you've sort of got to get them back into the system come November and try coach them back up again <coughs> until you send them back to club football and they push a res- reset button on it. But 
I don't know. I, I can see that sort of argument. I know a lot of the clubs are looking at that sort of model, trying to get them out of club football as soon as they can. And that's no no slide on club football because that's who produces our players. But once you identify them as good enough, you want to keep them in there and you don't really want them going back there, if at all possible. Because we all know the, the level of the standard of football drops as well. So. Yeah. And they're playing enough bloody football between club, school and reps and all that sort of stuff. I think a lot of them are playing too much footy. Yeah. Scott Fisher, the Muppet, that is Henry Perrinar. Well, well, we've spoken about him. Spoken about him. I think it's pretty straightforward. Started off okay, but things have definitely gone downhill. He shouldn't have a profile. <clears throat> Refs shouldn't have a profile. We no. shouldn't even know their names. Stay out of the game. Lawrence Kelson, do you think the NRL would benefit from a shorter season? Would it improve the quality of the games, get more people to turn up? Yep, I agree. 20 rounds. I think that's all well and good, but we talk about it again. The bottom line is the players want more money. Part of that is producing the games for the TV deal, the advertisements which produce the money, which pay their wages. So uh, I think the pre-season fixtures should definitely be shorter. Uh, but as far as the actual season, if you shrink that, well, then they're going to have to take a bit of a pay cut. That's just, or they're going to have to promote the game more and get well, more money into the game. In, that's the funny the part pot. right now. When they're asking for the money, most of them give you shit interviews and don't do anything right now. They're going to have to pump their tyres up. But in the end, if you don't have the players, you don't have a game. No, I get that. But at the same so, time, if they're going to get into Could this, they be doing more? Yeah, well, and that's fine. But then give them, give them that partnership in the game that they're looking for mm. and then say, well, you're as accountable to the bottom line as what we are well, in terms of the administ- administrators. So... Brendan Bush, there's a manly curse. A high number of coaches seem to be sacked or leave a club for family reasons the week after Manly, with Manly playing the Dogs, Panthers and Warriors in the remaining weeks. Can you see any of these coaches being sacked? It seems the Dogs and Desi have written into Desi's contract. If he doesn't make the eight, he's gone. Manly and Canterbury meet in round 23. The Dogs are not likely to make the eight this year. But the Dogs aren't making the eight. That's my opinion. Uh, I wouldn't be too worried about all these curses and coaches getting sacked. I think... The Panthers have basically already said that they're not getting rid of their coach. The Warriors would be crazy to get rid of Kearney. He's had one year. It's not his fault. If anyone would get sacked... I'd like to know the history of that. He's sort of generally sketched that coaches seem to be sacked or leave the club for family reasons the week after playing Manly, or Manly playing the Dogs. Panthers and the Warriors in the remaining weeks, can you... I don't get that. But, yeah, I'd like to know the history, if there is a little bit of history there, because I can't draw a line. Through it, but oh, do I? Well, do you, do we think that uh, Desi will be sacked? No, I don't think so. I think if any of those, it look pretty co- stupid if, if, he, if he gets sacked if, after they've given him a deal. Yeah, well, if any of those coaches would be going for me, it would be Des, mm. would be uh, Kearney, or well, oh, I'd get rid of Griffin, but they're not going to. Right. But who are you going to hire? We've said this a million times. Well, anyone. And Brendan Bush again says, "Do you think Queensland State of Origin team have the best or the worst training and medical team?" One hand, every game they have players dropping like flies before a game, but on the other hand, they're always fit and healthy to play. Well, oh, you'd mate. like to think that they've got the best smoke medical mirrors. players there. Smoke and mirrors, mate. It's just a bit of stuff they're dishing up before the game. To try well, if they're not the best people, then they bloody should be. Yeah, they're just stirring things up a little bit in the media before the game. Matty Hunt, good day, fellas. The passenger of the week for round end is none other than Sam. I wish I was a half Cassiano. My word, this bloke had an absolute shocker. Even though Brock Lamb had a very unhappy day, at least he shows frustration when he makes an error. Whereas Cassiano just looks dumbfounded and repeats the same errors at a later point. He is a game killer and doesn't know his role. This guy will be Bellamy's greatest task yet. I don't know. George Rose was a pretty big task. Yeah, big task indeed. And they just ended up telling him after the preseason to Catch stay up. in Sydney yeah. and play reserve grade because we don't want you here. Mm. So uh, I think he's going to have a pretty simple role under Craig Bellamy and Matty, that's for sure. And uh, if he doesn't follow it, he'll be playing Q Cup. Straightforward. 
George Karnatis, do you think Manly need to recruit a more consistent full-time goal kicker? And if so, who do you think they could get? Recruit one. How about you coach one? Yeah, so I'm not about when people say you've got to buy a goal kicker. You've got enough time during the week when coach you're training full-time to kick and practice. So I definitely don't go scout. should have three kicker. or four good kickers there. They should all be practicing. Well, the one that was kicking half decent and didn't kick on the weekend, and I don't really know why, was Matt Wright. Yeah. Matt Wright came in, unless he's got a groin or anything like that, when people is generally the only reason they stop. Uh, kicking, but Dylan Walker took the job back on the weekend. I was I was really confused. Anyone honest. that watched the uh, rugby union, uh, the Lions and All Blacks game, should know the value of goal kicking because mm. well, it's kept the Lions in that series and to the point where they got a drawn series against the All Blacks and they could barely score a try, but they could kick from anywhere inside fifty. It was a goal. So I think we undervalue the uh, in rugby the league. use of a, a, a yeah or having a really really good goal kicker. Yeah. Just wanted to hear, this is Oliver, uh, he says, just wanted to hear your thoughts on the career of Manu Vatavai now that he's off the UK. Well, probably the best Kiwi winger we've ever seen. Play for the Warriors, at least. Who's a better winger that's played for the Warriors? Henry Fafili. Fafili. Oh, Sean Hoppybo. There's been some short stints. You want to talk about his career, 200-plus games. He's had some injuries as well, but he's been around it's forever. The he does have some rocks. Nah, he has some rocks and diamonds <laughs> moments, but on his day, he's absolutely outstanding. I love Manu. I don't think there was many things better than seeing him just absolutely bulldoze somebody as he goes over for a try. Well, funny story. I played against Manu in a under six. We won the Harold Matthews and under sixteens, and they brought over this bloody invitational New Zealand side, and he ran at me off a tap, and I'm still trying to find him. And the funny thing his is, his shoulder was implanted in my chest. He was about the same size when he was Royal 16 as well. Because I remember he watching, was a monster. I watched that game, and then two years later, he was playing NRL. I'm like, well, wow. it was the only game we lost. I think we lost 18, 16. It was pretty close, but they he, were monsters, and he was the biggest of them all. Didn't he score every try though? I think he did. Yeah, just yeah. A, just a bully game at under 16. Yeah, like oh, he's got number two on his back. <clears throat> Yeah, well, Dear me. Manu's been exceptional, but obviously, like I said, you get your comedic moments with him, you get your good moments, but the good outweighs the bad. Uh, I think also over there, if you asked any of the Warriors staff and people like that, he's a really good bloke, he's a mentor for the young guys, and mm. uh, rightfully so. He's not playing a lot of great football, so he moved to the UK. Yeah, fair. Have a bit of a payday, and he's going to the old Salford Red Devils. He'll be a cult figure over there, mate. Kukash, he doesn't mind a bit of a Marwan. character. They're going all right too, the Reds. Todd Carney, Manu, it's a bit of a, mm. bit of a, bit of a build-up going on. Wayne Stoneman, Penrith coach stating that anyone who thought Penrith could win the comp does not understand football. Do you think this shows a lack of faith in the coach? Well, you go, Louis. You go. Go. I don't like Anthony Griffin. Go. You want him. I want him. I've already said my piece. He's a terrible coach. He's got no idea what he's doing. He had the Broncos side and just absolutely muddled and fiddled around with that and everyone said they don't have the cattle. Wayne Bennett rocks up. They have one different player, which is Anthony Milford. Next year, then the grand final, they lost in Golden Point. Mm. That's my opinion of Anthony Griffin. He can't coach. Well, the way they're playing at the moment, things need to change. They're not playing a style that suits the players they've got. Well, that was too structured. Now it looks like they've got no structure. I'm completely confused and dumbfounded. There's no push on the ball. They looked the best last year, didn't they, where they had a little bit of a, a mix of Ivans. But it was almost like he'd kind of come in and accepted what they were doing. Yeah. And then he's had the preseason and gone, well, this is how yeah. I run my show. And all of a sudden, the players they've got don't suit the way he wants to play. And the way he makes up his bench gives me the shits. Akawala barely got minutes on the weekend. Hmm. Just don't pick guys if you're not going to use them. Like, what's the point of having 17 players? The Mitch Rain thing took way too long. There's a lot of things yeah. that frustrate me about Anthony Griffin. They're not playing a very good style of football. And I feel like well, I, I understand football enough, Anthony, to know that the way you're playing, you're not, you're not having making the eight, let alone winning a comp. But on paper at the start of the year and the way that you finished last year and the style of football you were playing last year, I think people had every right to say that you would have won the comp. 
Well, the other one... You that, should have faith in your players as well. I don't think that's a good message to be sending the players. No, of course Or, or the club, what the club's trying to sell. The other issue that I have, again, like I said, Nathan Cleary came in last year, got exactly what he deserved. Controller's number seven. This year, I feel like he's just almost been frozen He's got out. no push on him. He's got nothing. He's, he's not even doing the majority of the kicking. And then the kick tactic he gets given is just put that bomb up. That's about the only yeah, thing super. it looks like they've told him to do. That's Laurie Daly-esque. I'm uh, I'm a bit dumbfounded. Just put a bomb up, Mitchell. Hit it as hard as you can in the guts, <laughs> and, and then we'll chase where, it. See where it lands. Yeah. Hopefully, it gets <laughs> yeah. a bounce that favours the Penrith team. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Mitch Mosley. Mitch Madley. Madley. Uh, hey boys, do you think Des is on borrowed time? Embarrassing game back at Belmore, and one we should have lost. Seeing them jump around like we had won the comp was embarrassing. Well, yeah, my thoughts cool. agree with you, and but they were celebrating a win. Kind of like I said after the review. Happy for uh, Josh Reynolds, but let's be honest, they were seconds away from losing to the worst side in the competition, and I would have been happy if they did because they really didn't deserve to win that game of football, and uh, I would get rid of him. But yeah, uh, for the time being, I think you'll see himself through to the start of next year. Ian Stanmore, hey boys, a while back you mentioned you were looking at getting t-shirts printed for us loyal listeners to purchase. Any update on that? Love the podcast and your commentary and still super keen to rep the fifth and last. Well, not many people got back to us about it, so until people get back to us and we can see that it's going to be worthwhile. Yeah, on top of that, uh, part of it was an investment for the charity as well. So obviously we sold that ad to Richmond Residential. We have the William Hill charity account, so... Uh, part of it was all chipping in profits to try and get at the charity, but but if you want us want us to get some merch out, then yeah. you better be you need to tee us up because I'm yeah. not going to have it sitting my uh, sit under my bed. Well, let's put it this way: if it's going to charity and we pay money for it, and then we don't make any money to give to the charity, well, then charity loses and our wallets lose as well. No, so. well, the charity's not going to lose; we're going to lose. It's a double whammy. They get nothing, and we. So, uh, if you want us to get some uh, shirts made up, let us know. That's right. Because well, if all we hear is crickets. No dice. No dice. Liam Robinson, uh, New South Wales about to go on a dynasty like Queensland did for 10 years. Oh, jeez, I oh, don't I think so. Definitely wouldn't be saying anything about a no. dynasty. They need to win uh, on Wednesday. It'd be a good start. If we can win two in a row, I'll fall off my chair. Well, yeah. That's what I want to say. When we won that Let's one, just win this one. Yeah. Well, let's not talk about multiple. Let's just win this one. Yeah, I'm a bit worried. Duncan Bridgeford, Gutherson for Dalian. Would have thought it was madness at the start of the year, but I reckon he has to be a fair income chance now. Thankfully, got on at $51 a few weeks back. <laughs> Mate, if they keep well winning done. games... Thanks for the tip, brother. The way that things have worked out with... I'm, I'm pretty sure they don't get points for Origin anymore, which is ridiculous. No, Smith and these guys have rested and missed games. He's just been sitting idle, mm. and everyone's been catching up to him. So if they keep winning, Gutherson's got a good chance to get the whip out. Can't see it happening. No, but at $51, no, no, no. mate, that was a good bet. It's, That's value. Yeah. I think Smith wins it. I'm fine with that. David Crellin, who drops out of the eight to let the Panthers in. Yeah, yeah, I'm a Panthers <laughs> fan, but it will happen. Dragons and or Cowboys will do. Big well, David. I don't uh, see the Cowboys going out. Dragons, I wouldn't if even, anyone. Wouldn't even be throwing the Cowboys in that conversation. If anything, they knocked off your side without JT and three guys backing up. So they're the last mm. one I'd be throwing in under the On floor. the buzzer. The only one to, yeah, still. On the buzzer. You couldn't beat but a they side. Got ten, hang on. They've got, they got ten wins. Penrith have got seven. Yeah, so... They're in a much better position to be in the eight than what Penrith do because I think on form, they're pretty similar in terms of the roster they've if got. They play again. The, I'm backing the Cowboys. Mm. All right, that's where I'm at. Yeah, okay. You can take the Dragons out. No, if, I, if, look, they, if they played, them. if they played, what would the markets be? What would the TAB markets be? 
Well, last time I don't the Cowboys, the Panthers were the favourites, but with no proof of form, they've been favourites all year. That's what the I'm results saying. haven't proved it. Canberra's been favourites all year as well and haven't proved it. No, so. no, I think in that game it'd be like. A do- as- what my point is, if they played head to head this weekend, they'd be like a dollar ninety each. But how you many times saying? have we said it? Why do we keep looking at last year's form and the market? No, I'm not talking about thing. last year's form. I'm talking about this year's form. Yeah. I, I could, I honestly, if they those two played ten times. I'm not sure who'd win. But the thing is, the Cowboys have got three more wins at this point of the year. Yeah. So that's going to count for something. So I don't think the Cowboys are going to lose. What, what are they going to have to lose? Six out of eight to let Penrith in. So the Dragons, I think the Dragons are the ones that the look to me like they might shit the bed. <coughs> well, with Dugan, who's played a heap of football, Frizzell getting needled up, uh, Vaughn missing some game time, DeBellin got suspended and obviously had the calf injury heading into this. Mm. If they lose a couple of those guys and that's the base of their whole game, they're mm. in big trouble. Yeah. Their halves are struggling. McCrone's battling. They've literally just got wit up. Um, there's a lot of holes there for them. So if anyone's going to limp home, it's going to be the Dragons. Nathan Hunt, do you boys agree with Phil Good's comments that the refs are trying to meet their quotas of penalties each game? I don't think so. I don't know. I'm, I'm Quotas? Con- I don't think they should have a quota, which is what we're getting at before. Basically, a ref should be unseen unless he needs to be there. And if you're going to put a stamp on the game, do it early. I'm not saying Gus is wrong that there's no. quotas. But if there's fucking quotas for penalties, then that's ridiculous because you're trying to find penalties. Yeah, you should you shouldn't be trying to trying to find penalties at all? Yeah. You should give them if you have to give them. Otherwise, let the game flow. So Gus would know better than us. But if there's quotas for penalties that they've got to give in a game, yes. Jesus, yeah, the um, game's gone mad. Yeah, Joe Smith, Brock Lamb. Question. Well, we spoke about Brock Lamb. Yeah, well, again, young kid, fresh out of twenties, playing the worst yeah, side good. of the comp. Yeah, that's what I mean. But people kicking him while he's down. Like, Shanked honestly, it and had a shit kick. I, that's fine. But they, they were just way. both plays it. Not many halves are going. Not many halves are going to do well on a side that gets dominated every week in the middle of the park. And again, yesterday like there was a point in time yesterday where the meters were eight hundred to three fifty. As a half, you're not winning when your forward pack's just getting rolled. And he's the first first grader to ever have the name Brock, so he's a winner in my eyes. You sure about that? Yeah, with Brock. Hmm? Who's another Brock that played first grade? I don't know, but I was pretty confident. I wasn't born. I'm pretty confident. I was born in uh, anyone. Uh, anyone knows of another Brock prior to Brock Lamb? Rugby league started in 1908, and I was born in 90. That's a long time. I'm pretty sure. I'd I'd have a bet. Get on, get on the, the middle. Get on David Middleton. I'm gonna hit him up on Twitter right see now. See if there's another Brock. Um, okay. pr- Brock doesn't say in that uncommon a name. There's got to be another Brock before that crossed. Mm. You're insane, I reckon. I'm insane. Yeah, there's in the membrane. 92 years, whatever it was before I was born. I'm not special at maths, and I'm wrong already, actually, now I think about it. It's 82 years. Good one. Doi. 1908 to 1990. Surely in 82 years, there's been a Brock that's played first grade. Something. <sighs> Daniel Fran, are the Knights constantly short out wide because they lose the middle of the field, or is it a technical issue in the outside backs? Well, you've basically summed up one reason why you could be short. If you're constantly battling in the middle, you draw in extra numbers, uh, players seem to tighten in or you find spaces in the middle and then the guys outside seem to creep in. So if you're constantly losing the middle, it does have a tendency to leave your player short or blokes to creep in to compensate, that's for sure. Mm. But I think, again, I can't think of many games this year where the second half they fall over for that same reason. They're so young, they always lose in the forwards battle. It's just a hard slog for them at the moment. I agree. Daniel Burton, the combination of Layla and Rapana seems to be the less gone-to option this year for the Raiders. This culminated in BJ calling Austin... A selfish, <laughs> selfish C after Austin failed to capitalise on a two-on-one cap. play that would have seen Leilua score a few weeks ago. If there is a play issue between Austin and Leilua, how, as a coach, do you go about solving personality slash off-field player relationships that could cause on-field problems? Mate, drag them into a room and nut it out. Well, you've got to try and nut it yeah, out. And if but... you're the coach, you need to tell them who's right and who's wrong. 
Well, Austin was in the wrong. It was three plays on his outside and he hightailed it back to the middle of the field. But Leilu was in the wrong for putting him on blast like that as well. Like I understand that you're frustrated or whatever, but if he he did call him that in front of other teammates, they need to understand the impact that's going to have. I know he's frustrated in the moment. But in the end, you're a team. Well, they seem to get plenty of support, unfortunately, from the people. Well, around then this him, is so. the issue. So, no, okay, so if you're going to have, there's yeah. more than enough simmering under the surface within that group. And well, you've got to have the conversation uh, with the two individuals to start with, nut that out, and, and then have a conversation whole... with the team. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I think they've probably had plenty of deep conversations and reflection sessions this year, and it's not really working. We're going to have plenty so. of time in September. Mm. Ben Richards, do you think all the penalties that James Maloney continues to rack up during games eventually start to hurt the Sharks? Yeah, well, they will. It will later. In the finals, he can't be doing what he's doing right now. And I think the other concern is he also misses the most tackles in the comp. Um, so he can't be putting both of those two stats together. That'll kill a side. Mm-hmm. I think it's just lucky he plays in one of the most stubborn, tough sides as far as uh, absorbing pressure and defense. And uh, they love getting into a bit of a, a grind and a dirty game. So yeah, they do. Yeah. he's in the right team to be doing what he's doing, but it's definitely not a positive. Ben Nobes, who do you see battling out for the Blues halves in five years? Christ, I'm more Nathan worried. Cleary. I'm more worried about who's bloody playing for us now, and the fact that we always try to knife somebody that is playing for us. And Chad Townsend, yeah, uh, he's a bit older. I think uh, if you're going to be going through who's been coming through the junior ranks, it's it's pretty hard to say. It's probably the Flanagan young bloke. He looks all right. If uh, who was the New South Wales twenties pairing this year, or the Australian setup? The Australian setup had Jay Field playing as the six. He's a New South Wales boy, but the seven was Brody Croft, the Melbourne boy. Jackson Willis is uh, the young gun seven for the Dragons. Mm. Dean Bloor has been one of the junior reps for New South Wales coming through at Penrith there. If you're talking about who's in first grade right now for New South Wales, if you're going off age, well, obviously the candidate's the one you said, Nathan Cleary. Mm. Um, but other than that, our half stock's not that great, really. No. Which is pretty sad. Andrew Wales, do you think Billy is really injured? Lol. Well, we talked about it earlier. I think he is injured, but again, as to the extent, I think it's just more of a me to beat up. Justin Bear, after about a thousand in a row during Origin, are Parramatta a threat to cause some upsets in the finals, or they just be their normal disappointment? Well, they might win a game or two, but I'm, I can't see them making the grand final or anything like that. No, I'd probably so. agree with you there. And again, those second half shutdowns and playing for part of the game and shutting up shop, I think they're a couple of forwards short, probably to the squad that they've got. Um, you know, look, guys like Alvaro, Tim Manor, people like this, uh, Takarengi, like you said, playing. In the centres, there's a few spots that I look at and go, that's that's not winning your comp. Yeah. Well, Christ, we had a 1,000 fan questions as always, but much appreciated. So that's them done. Game reviews done. Uh, we did our set of six. We'll do gossip now before we finish off with uh, obviously our Origin 3 preview. So gossip not here tonight, a bit busy, but getting through his dirt that he's got here before we do the tips. Hoffman off to the UK. Lots of offers on the table for him there. I'm assuming he's talking about Ryan Hoffman at the back end there with the Warriors. Some talk that possibly he would have went back to Melbourne, but they don't really have a need for him at this point in time. No, they don't. It would have been nice, but you wouldn't see him starting every week. So uh, back to the UK. Probably the right thing to do at this point in time. Yeah, agree. Yep. Uh, Jack Bird having second thoughts about the Brisbane deal. It's a bit late now. Uh, I think I spoke at this a couple of weeks ago. A lot of people probably read some bits and pieces. Apparently, I think... Uh, all the drama that was caused. I'm a 5'8", I'm a fullback. In the end, he signed for a little bit more money to basically go play the same position he's playing now. And uh, the murmurs are he's kind of realised that his mates and family and everyone's down here and this might not be the right move. But again, that 10-day cooling-off period's been inserted for a reason. The deal's done, so Jack's off to Brisbane. He signed the deal. Can't do anything now. Sorry. I was surprised at the time that he was willing Unless to Unless Brisbane are going to 
yeah. let him back out, et cetera, et cetera, which, which would be a possibility because you wouldn't want a player there that doesn't want to be there. But I can't see them not at least getting him up there and seeing if it doesn't work out. <coughs> yeah, try and turn him on it. Yeah. Connor Watson to the Tigers dealers to be announced soon due to Gossip's thoughts here. So we heard that Newcastle are still in the running. He had another meeting with them, but the Tigers to get him. Uh, again, a player with potential, but I don't know what position. And I find it kind of strange that if Lola here got told he's going to play fullback and they're telling Watson he's the fullback. Nine, you've got Little and they re-sign McCurick, so there's already two nine options. Reynolds got paid big money to play six. Brooks got paid to play seven. Um, yeah. You've got to lie, cheat, beg and steal and do all you can to get depth in all key positions. I understand that, but it does seem most likely he will play fullback if he goes to the Tigers. Mm. Would you agree? Yeah. You... I'd, I'd, they'd want to be paying him. They wouldn't want to be paying him top dollar. Well, they're talking close to half a million dollars, so mm. I think that's a lot for somebody who's only had little glimpses of Unproven, first grade. Yeah. Junior Paulo wanting a release to head back to Parramatta. And I obviously talked to you about this earlier. All the murmurs are obviously some little simmering bits and pieces going on at Canberra. Paulo not involved in those, but obviously thought the move from Parramatta, you know, for his off-field setup and all the bits and pieces was better for himself. Goes to Canberra last year. Things explode, looking really good for the future, and now they've hit the brakes. So he wants a release because what? Things have gone a bit sour there. Things have hit the brakes. Well, that's bullshit. I don't, little... I don't like that. Well, he's only got a year to run on his deal. Yeah, anyway, I don't like so. it. What? Just because you're not going great, you're not going to make the finals, things aren't all going your way, you want to bail out? That's dog shit. Well, Tough it out. Play better, Junior, because you haven't been playing that well. I thought he's been pretty good. To well, be I don't think. Well, not on last year. Talking about contracts, this is no different. We, we've, we've widely acknowledged that their forward pack isn't going forward. Well, I've, I've acknowledged the same two blokes. I think do a good job of the week, and that's him and Papali. Mm. No, I think he had much more of an impact on that side last year. So pull your socks up, play better footy, stop bitching, wanting to run out on deals. Nah, well, Everyone does it. It shits me to tears. Like, you can't just, you know, throw the, uh, throw the dummy out of the cot and say, I want to go somewhere else just because you're losing. Not everyone wins. Simple as that. Look at yourself instead of running away. Yeah, well, same could be said for Mitchell Moses. I agree. <laughs> well, I was, the one, I was the only one saying keep him there. Everyone else said, oh, let him go. Well, why? Look at, look at it now. He's playing good footy for power. He should be playing for the Tigers. Don't get me started. Good you know, wind me up. And the last bit that he's got here is obviously something we've already talked about before. Uh, it is the deals imminent to be announced about Herman Asase and Tao Tao Monga going to the Knights from Brisbane. Yeah, uh, good boys. Solid boys. We've already talked about it enough, I think, in that sense. As far as the announcement's concerned, I don't know if that's got to do with terms or whatnot and putting pen to paper, but he dropped Asase basically because he signed with the Broncos the other week and now he's got a knee injury. So he's out. And Moga, Moga's had a bit of a rough trot after starting off as a boom 18-year-old, a couple of ACLs. Uh, tougher situation to move to, but... For them, considering their squad position, not bad moves, not bad moves at all. But moving on to our tips for this upcoming round, we have no lineups. Obviously, it's a Monday, so a bit of a harder ask. But Friday night, uh, you got the Warriors versus the Panthers. You'd have to assume that Penrith one to seventeen. They're not affected by the Origin setup. You got the Warriors coming off a break, desperate for a win. <clears throat> it's over in New Zealand. It's a bloody hard game to tip. <clears throat> mm, good luck. I'll tip the Warriors. The Warriors. Yep. And on the same side of that, you've got Gossip, who's also tipping the Warriors. Uh, God, I'm going to tip the Warriors as well, only because it's in New Zealand. But Well, Penner stunk last week. Yeah, I, I just think one of these teams basically after this week is 100% gone. 
that's there's no doubt about it, unless the Dragons lose again and keep losing. But this is what I was talking about. This the teams that are fighting to get in the eight right now, there's a bit of a log. Well, they're seven and nine, so theoretically the Panthers can and the Warriors can have three more losses. Um, so this is their chance because they've got a game in hand. The Panthers on some of the teams around them, like namely the Bulldogs, who have played that extra game. So uh, the Raiders are six and ten, Rabbitohs six and ten. So you know they're going to have to go six and six out of eight. The Panthers and the Warriors <coughs> only have to go five out of eight. So tough. Yeah, well, but they... it's not impossible. So uh, look, I think the loser of this game. Put it this way, they're going to be highly doubtful to make it. The winner of this game, I'll give a good chance to make the eight. Mm, I still think, like I said, a lot of it depends on the Dragons. Get them but... to eight wins. They'll need to go four out of... Well, yeah, four out of what? How many is that? Four out of six to get in. So, difficult, but we'll see. Yep. Well, these tips and odds brought to you by WilliamHill.com. If you're going to have a bet on the NRL or any sport, make sure you do it with William Hill. And the favourites are the Warriors in this one, being at home. $1.68, dollar sixty-eight, two twenty for the Panthers. Minus two and a half is the line. One to twelve Warriors, three twenty-five, three eighty Penrith. Thirteen plus Warriors, three twenty-five, four sixty-five Penrith. Second game is the Canberra Raiders down there versus the Dragons. Uh, so we talk about. The Raiders needing to uh, get things going. They're basically, again, last legs here, playing a team that has the potential to further skip away and try and seal the deal on the Dragons. They've been on tilt a little bit. Uh, the main worry here, it's a Friday game. I don't think those guys are going to back up. For who? For the Dragons. Yeah, I'm tipping the Raiders. Anyway. Looking at the, the Dragons, you've got Frizzell, who's already getting needle up to play. Dugan's played a lot of footy. was busted just before he went in. I don't see either of those two backing up. Uh, Vaughan obviously got injured a couple of weeks ago. They said four weeks, so they try and push him back early. I don't know. I'm pretty sure he'd be keen to play against his old club. And DeBellin went into origin camp with a calf injury himself. And plus the half situation. Yeah, I just don't. I wouldn't, I wouldn't tip them anyway. Their form's been dog shit. Yeah, well, I agree. And just the the backup players there on the other side, the only player that's backing up is Papali. And he's coming off the bench playing props. So I don't think he's going to have too much of a problem. So we're both on the Raiders there. Gossip is also on the Raiders. Clean sweep with WilliamHill.com. $1.60 favourites. 235 for the Dragons, minus three and a half is the line. One to 12 Raiders, 310, 395 the Dragons. 13 plus for the Raiders, 320, 475 for the Dragons. Saturday, Super Saturday, you've got the Knights versus the Broncos to kick things off. Uh, even with a heavy backup load for the Broncos, you'd have to go then. Yeah, Newcastle season. Uh, you know, it's been hard enough already. And uh, I don't think it's going to get any easier, even though they got the home game. It's a clean sweep again for all three of us. Gossip also tipping the Broncos, and they are a dollar twenty-eight favourites with William Hill. Three seventy the Newcastle Knights minus ten and a half is the line. One to twelve Knights five dollars two ninety Brisbane thirteen plus for the Knights eleven dollars two dollars ten for Brisbane. Gold Coast Titans Sharkies Saturday. So backing up for you guys. What do you got? Hayne, Petey, Wallace. Yeah. So a couple there up at your home ground on the shark side of things. Obviously, heavy load there. You got Holmes, Graham, Bird, Fafida, Maloney. That's a tough one. You got uh, must win for us. I'll tip the Titans. You're gonna go the Titans. Yeah. I lose. They're gone. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with the Sharks. I think. Uh, think even with a bit of backup, I like the Titans and at home. It, it should be one that you definitely need to get done, but. I don't know. You just always seem to finish the game with no bench. 
so that always worries me. And I don't know who's going to back up for you guys either. I think Pete's struggled last time just with the physical toll it took on him. Hayne also not probably the most reliable. Wallace will be the only one I think will be a guarantee to back up. Mm. And with WilliamHill.com, $2.25. The Gold Coast at home, $1.65. Uh, the Sharkies, minus 3.5 is a line. 1 to 12 Titans, 3.95, 3.15. The Sharks, 13 plus the Titans, 4.75, 3.20. The Sharks. Manly and the Tigers playing on the Sunday. Whew, there's a couple of difficult ones, isn't there? Manly. Looking at Manly. Oh, what am I about? Difficult one. I just realised what I just said. It's the Tigers. Well, yeah, that's quite easy. Bouncing back. And they got that one at home. So I think that one all around is a pretty easy one to pick and gossip. He's also on Manly, and the odds reflect that. A dollar eighteen at Manly with WilliamHill.com. $4.90. For the Tigers, minus 15.5 is the line. 1 to 12 Manly, 350, 6.50 for the Tigers. 13 plus Manly, $1.65, $15 for the Tigers. So only Jake will be the one that has to back up all the rest of them there. Tigers, Woods probably backs up. Tedesco, again, you wouldn't rely on him to probably back up after missing all that time with his ankles. So uh, probably going to be a hard day for them. And the last one we got here South Sydney versus the Cowboys. Uh, Rabbitohs, not too crash hot last week. North Queensland, though, obviously this one's up at uh, Barlow Park. Yeah. So a bit of travel there. Well, not not a lot of travel for North Queensland. Not really, but you've got a couple of guys playing Origin. I guess it helps We're that it's in Queensland, anyway. so yeah. they're going to have to travel across. Oh, Cowboys. I think I'll stick with the Cowboys, not with a whole lot of faith, and it wouldn't surprise me if, uh, you know, the couple of guys involved, Morgan... Hess and the like uh, are a little bit tired. Cooper, but from what I saw from South last week, I think it'd be a close game, but give that one to the Cows. And Gossip, he's gone the opposite to me and you. He's on the Bunnies. And the odds of WilliamHill.com, $2.20 for South Sydney, $1.68 for the Cowboys. Minus 2.5 is the line. 1-12 for the Rabbitohs, 3.80, 3.25 the Cowboys. 13-plus for the Bunnies, 4.65, 3.25 for the Cowboys. And moving on now that we've ended all that. Thank you to WilliamHill.com. We have the odds for State of Origin. Game three. And Queensland are outsiders at home for the decider. $2.10, $1.75 are New South Wales. Minus two is the line. The over-under for this game, 31.5. I think that's probably about right. Yeah. I'd say over from what we've seen from the first few games and obviously been a faster track. 1-12 for Queensland, $3.10, $2.80 for New South Wales. 13 plus Queensland, six fifty, four dollars for New South Wales. And uh, if you look at man of the match markets and some other bits, over under is only thirty one and a half. Yeah, getting on that. I agree. Uh, man of the match market. If you're going to be picking someone for me, I hate to say it, I think that going up there is going to be our doom. And uh, I'd say someone like Cameron Smith, who is the heavy favourite with William Hill. $7.50. I'm going to go Tedesco. I think Tedesco had a huge game up there in game one. I think the dry track suits us, and uh, I expect him to, to have another good game. Well, he's equal favourite with WilliamHill.com, $7.50. Uh, Gossip said James Maloney would be his man of the match. He's $10 on the odds there. Looking at some other guys, Mitchell Pearce obviously has to have a big game. He's equal favourite, seven fifty. Well, I'd love to see Pearce win it. Cooper Cronk, he's going to play a pivotal role, obviously, especially now Thurston's out, $10. Billy Slater, 13 For Fida, who was man of the match in game one with William Hill, he's $13. Uh, you know, you look at one of these debutants in Munster playing at $6, $23. Josh McGuire, I thought, was close to getting it last time. $21 is a bit of value about him there. And 
uh, if you want a real, real outsider. Dan Gagai has been pretty close in both games, I think, if, uh, for, for a winger. Yeah, no thanks. He's been outstanding, $34 for him. So some pretty big odds on that side of things. But I guess <coughs> it's time to do our preview of this game, mate. Yeah. On the New South Wales side of things, unchanged. All three games through this series. But well, that's a positive. Injury clouds obviously hanging over Josh Dugan. Oh, not Josh Dugan. Josh Dugan's come through with his injury. Well, no worry about him in camp. But Tyson Brazil, two separate rib cartilage injuries and obviously an ankle problem. Uh, the talk is that he'll be good to go. He'll be needled up, which is a bit of a concern. But we spoke about it earlier. The other one you've got there is Boyd Cordner. Supposedly run at 100%, but I honestly don't think you can carry two guys in that have a chance of missing the game. Especially unless you're 100% certain. No, well, Cordner's not missing the game. He won't miss the game. I don't know why we're talking about it. Frizzell, why would they have bought these guys in and not bought in shadow players for them if they weren't going to play? Well, they did. Who? Uh, Dale yeah, today. Dale Finucane, Today. Jack DeBellin. They're no. all in camp. So Today. Today. It's Monday. Yeah, I understand that. But they still brought players in as extra cover as well as DeBellin. They always do it late in case someone gets injured in the warm-up. But not if if you think they're, they're a genuine chance of missing the game, we should have had players in there the whole camp. Mm, we should have, but DeBellin's the only one they but brought No, in. it just tells me that either Laurie Daly's a moron or these guys are fine. I think they're both going to play. I don't know what we're talking about. Slater will play. The two Blues guys will play. We do this every, every in the lead-up to every game. Tell me the last player who was under an injury cloud in origin that didn't play. I'm just saying, you know, like a lot of them, a lot of them just end up playing. So I don't know why we talk about it. They're going to play, and if they don't, I'll come on here and I'll apologise to all the all the fans for the team. For the team. Well, on the Queensland side of things, obviously they've had some force changes. John Thurston, after uh, his efforts in Game Two, his Origin career is over. That shoulder has taken its toll, and Darius Boyd with a broken hand. So uh, Michael Morgan moves off the bench. Ben Hunt. Comes from being a Queensland Cup player to a Queensland representative in front of Daly Cherry Evans and Munster comes in to play six in his debut game. Big ask, but pretty good company to be helping him out in his Storm teammates in the spine. Yeah. So, uh, I, I don't know. I I had ill feelings coming into this and my thought was basically after game two, heading up here, Cooper Cronk's potential last game. I know Thurston's not playing, but he's going to be there. It's a pretty big occasion, and it basically is the end of this whole side. Most of these players have been turned over or will be turned over in the next couple of years. So, yeah, oh. there's, there's a lot that worries me. I know if you look at the Queensland side of things, last game, they did exactly what we thought we did. They made the necessary changes when they brought in your Cohen Hesses, these kind of guys, and got some fresher legs in because game one, we basically blew them off the park in the forward pack. Uh, we didn't give any opportunity for Cameron Smith to get out and probe. Cooper Crump was pinned down there with Milford, who wasn't a kicking option, just kicking for his life. And, you know, we didn't force a lot of repeat sets. We didn't build a whole lot of pressure. We just blew them apart from the middle of the park. Game two, they made those necessary changes. Their forward pack, I don't think, has ever really been better than ours. But as long as it's competitive, they've always had the better We blew spine. them off the park in, uh, in first half of the second game. No, I don't think we really well, did. I think we did. I still think the same Kept issues again, though. Their forward pack, as long as it is competitive enough, their spine's better to take opportunities. And it happened again. Mm. And I look at this situation going home up there. I know the fast track suits us again, but... I may be a bad judge, but I'm very confident the Blues will win. I just, yeah, that really, really killed me. The big uh, the big worry is Suncorp Stadium. That's the big worry because it's, you know, we've been there for deciders. It's not an easy place to, to have to go and play. My other worry is the coaching and the tactics. 
I'm not confident that Laurie Daly will have the right tactics. I'm not confident that he'll make the right changes at the right times. I'm sorry to say that, but the, the proof's in the pudding. He's, he's cocked it up over multiple on multiple occasions. Um, I think we look a much better side without Gallon and Farrah, and we've gone close to winning deciders up there with them in our team. Uh, I think we look a lot better this year. We went up there in game one on a dry track. I thought we had control of game two until we, we, we threw the game away. I don't think Queensland are on our level in this series if you want to look at it based on form. We've comprehensively won uh, three of the four halves of football. I can't see, I can't see us losing. Well, that's pretty comprehensive. Well, I'm more on the side of what you've brought up, but I think Andrew Fafita was quelled the last game. They did a really, really good job on him. Uh, you know, Jake Jaboyevich, Clemmer, come on, did a good job, steered things right, and obviously Frizzell did a good job early on running at Jonathan Thurston, but... Uh, as far as all the talk about Munster playing out there and Morgan, I think, if anything, that's not really a really big concern for me defensively. Well, I think it is in the fact that neither of them play centre in the NRL. You pick two guys that play 5-8 and you're going to play one at centre. But we've got plenty of guys that don't play in position in the NRL either. Like what? And Jared like, well, what are we talking about? Is Jared Hayne. Okay, so you're forward. talking about fullback to centre. We're not talking about... That's an, still an outside back position. You're talking about from the halves... Yeah, centre. Well, Cameron Munster was playing fullback and moved to the centres as well this year and defends at 5 Yeah, but he had now, a whole, is... whole pre-season to well, do that. Yeah. These, these guys have had three weeks to do that, to change positions, is what you're saying? Cameron Munster's played centre. When? Played one played game center. in the NRL? No, he's played more than one game in mm. centre. But he's also one game played fullback and I... moved there. He's played 5-8. No. It's one defensive different spot. Michael Morgan, like I said... So if we pick James Maloney in the centres... How would you feel about that? Or pick a utility? Completely different player. He's been a 5'8 his whole life. But he's life. playing, yeah. I just don't get it. Why Horses for courses. Well, if you, a centre goes out, you pick a centre. Well, you weren't picking Justin O'Neill. The only way that would have made you happy then, if you're looking at it, would have been Gagai moving into the centre. It's a no-brainer to me. Yeah. No-brainer. Well, I think yeah. it's I think it's a huge hole. I, this is another well, It worked in game, three, in game two because he scored the try, so that looked great, right? Or see, he set the try up. But why was he playing there? Why was he playing in the centres? This is another one of these things, I guess, where they talk about they talk about regret football and same as the Australian side having four fullbacks in it instead of picking centres and wingers. You pick the best players as far as they're concerned and you mm-hmm. just find positions for them. So clearly they don't have confidence in Corey Oates, Dan Gagai playing in the centres, and they don't have confidence in Justin O'Neill or another debutant. Well, their saving grace for Michael Morgan would be that he's playing against Jared Hayne, who I think looks half the player he did before he left. Yeah, and that's my issue again. I, We're picking I, him on what, faith? I think more so the fact that that's the edge that him and Munster are on makes me feel a little bit more comfortable from the Queensland side of things as well. Cause, but be just honest, for Kevin Walters to go, it's a good idea to pick these two, five-eights, in the starting side and play one of them at centre. I just don't get it. Well, the Ben Hunt thing for me, still dumb. I don't get that either. So where are you going to play Ben Hunt? I don't take the utility role, even Morgan's utility role, but they're going, we're just going to have someone off the bench for 10, 15 minutes to run the football. I'm like, well, okay. You're You're getting pumped up the middle. You're not replacing Cameron Smith to play him at nine, clearly. You're going to play him at lock. not going to be playing him over one of the halves. And obviously, yeah, if you're going to put him on somewhere, you take him one of your forwards off for 10, 15 minutes. But you've got to defend him in the middle as well. Um, you know, he's a strong little bugger, but again, I think it's a waste. I just would have rather have the extra forward. So Felice Cafusi is the 18th man. I just would have rather pick Felice or go back to Guerra. Or if Thido was playing decent enough, and again, I think there would have been plenty of motivation maybe to dangle that cherry and give him his 30th origin and final game at home in Queensland. I just would have the extra to forward. To me, it comes back to this rubbish excuse of you've got to have a utility on your bench in case you get an injury. Do. Well, you don't, you don't pick teams 
for injuries. No. If yeah. you have an injury, then you reshuffle. These rep sides, and we've said it before, you've generally got players that are talented enough to cover multiple positions for the fact you don't need a utility. You can make adjustments on the fly. Well, look at Thurston. He got busted. They just still didn't replace him. He had an injury. Mm. I, I don't I don't get the point. I Look, for New South Wales, a guy like Jack Bird, great, because he can cover pretty much every position. That's fine, because you're going to get usage out of him regardless. But to pick Ben Hunt, who's a he's a half, you can't really cover anywhere else. Maybe maybe nine at a pinch. Well, he spent yeah, 100 fine. games playing off the bench yeah, at nine. That's so, fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But when's the last time he played nine? This is my point. Yeah, like, he, he doesn't play nine week to week, and then you're picking him in the hardest arena of all and expecting him to, to win your games and to have a play a competent role within the team structure. I don't get it. Like, to ask, uh, to going back to Morgan and um, Munster, to, to ask one of them to play totally out of what they're not used to on a week-to-week basis with their club, to me, is just dumbfounding. So I'm not convinced at all. Uh, it's a battle of bad coaches for mine. <laughs> I, I honestly can't work out what the tactics are going to be. Like, Queensland, I, you know, you look at the way that they score their points in, in the second game, it was pretty unconvincing, I guess. Uh, more on the back of Blues errors. You know, look at the way Graham rushed up. Um, let in that line break. Uh, the Blues penalties piggyback them down the field. A lot of errors inside our own half, which gifted Queensland a lot of possession. The Blues did a pretty good job defensively, I thought, in that second half. They turned the Queenslanders away on multiple occasions, but in the end, the, the dam just cracked and uh, they, they managed to score some points or score that winning try. But, yeah, what do you think? To me, I, I think Queensland have got enough points in them, my friend. I think the Blues will score... At least three tries. I think the Queenslanders could score three tries, but for me, I'm probably looking. I think it'll be four tries to two. I think the Blues will win. I don't know. I'll say 24-12, something along those lines. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to go Queensland 16-14. Look at you, you big knock. To win the game up there. Uh, Based on what? I, I... On, on what we've seen out of the two games, how could you possibly pick Queensland? <laughs> I'm serious. You know footy enough. Uh, I know footy enough to know that. Look, for ten for ten years, I've said Queensland are the better side. In this series, Queensland aren't the better side. I think we're. I agree with you. I think we are the better side. But I just sometimes. So what makes you pick Queensland? Well, basically, what you brought up before. It's the occasion and where it is. Until I actually went up there myself that time, we got absolutely ambushed. When was that? Two, three years ago now. Two years. When we went for that game, I didn't quite understand what it was like to go to Suncorp. That's crazy. And I know game one, we did blow them off the park and all the rest of it, but uh, the slight changes in the last game, obviously in the forward pack, I know, again, I still don't think the forward pack's enough, but I think it's competitive enough to get their spine involved. I think the Melbourne spine will do a good enough job. And again, if that's that edge of the field, I could be completely wrong. Munster Morgan, is it deficient? It could be found deficient, but the well, fact yeah. that it's marking up on Hayne. Yeah, which is just as deficient. Which is showing enough of a weakness itself with the errors. And then in game one, as much as everyone showered O'Neill. He, O'Neill ran past him twice as well. Mm. So he's no clean saint. I'm not saying. I, I think and that was own, our biggest issue in, in game My two. other thing is, the Cordner one, I agree with you. From all reports, he's good to go. But the Tyson reveal, the Dragons basically reached out and said, please consider his long-term health. He's got needles in two spots in his ribs and an ankle. So I'm not saying everything falls play. apart on two guys, but... I don't know. I've got that stuck in my head. That one time we went up there, I was really, really confident. I left absolutely shattered. And game three is very different to game one up there. Well, I've been to three and we've lost all three. It's so. very different. And that's what's... I, after game two, I had that sinking feeling, like I said, when we were sitting there. 
that there's somehow we're going to lose this game, and we did. Yeah. Um, oh, in, I, the sec- in the second game. Yeah. I had a feeling that it was somehow, and if it got to Queensland, I said to myself, that but as bad as we played, they only got us in the seventy. 70- Seventh minute or seventy-eighth minute, or whatever that, it was. but I did say that if it went to Queensland, I felt they were going to get the job done. So I'm going to stick to my word, even though before we started this, I had New South Wales written down. You idiot. Queensland sixteen fourteen. Cameron Smith to be the man of the match, and uh, first try score. I'm going to go match it. I really hope I'm wrong and we win thirteen plus and dust them like we did in game one. And there's plenty of things to make me think so. The forward pack, Fafita's stirred the pot a little bit and whinged about someone sledging, even though it's a game of football. He needs to stand up. Tedesco, I thought, was a little bit quiet. I think Dugan did a great job. Uh, and the halves clearly lost control of that game, as did everyone, the errors, the penalties. But Pierce is never going to live it down if they lose this game. And do I think that's... More. Well, that's what I mean. It's, I'm, you got to let me finish first. I don't think it's his fault, but everyone's going to go after him and say it's Mitchell Pierce's fault. So I really hope for his sake we do get the win and he can finally kind of get that monkey off his back. But And he can ruin... I'm John just Thurston's retirement. I'm looking game. at all the, those little bits and it's pieces. The ultimate revenge game for PC. I'm looking at all those little bits and pieces, and the fact after we went there for a game three, and it just makes me think that that's enough to get them just over the line somehow. They'll find a way. So what do you need? You need what do you need from me? You need a score prediction. Yep. Uh, so I'll say twenty a twenty four twelve New South Wales. What else? First try. First try. I'll say Brett Morris. Moz, and you need a man of the match, mate. Uh, Tedesco. Teddy for the man of the match. There you go. Load up, ladies and gentlemen. Blues. Get on. He's got his predictions here. He has New South Wales 17-10. He's got the first try scorer to be home. Oh, dear. And his man of the match is James Maloney. But, uh, yeah, just a few little bits and pieces here. This is the longest that the Maroons have ever started since 2006 as far as odds. They've won the last six deciders, including four in Brisbane. Mm. Uh, and Yeah, with the best side... Yeah, in origin. Uh, New so, South Wales congrats. have won just two of 11 all-time deciders at Suncorp. Over the last six years, Queensland have won 13 of 20 matches and claimed 10 of the last 12 live matches in Brisbane. Queensland have made 63 more tackles in this series and missed 23 more, so that probably shows the dominance that we've had in that forward pack. Stakes there. New South Wales have won the kick meters convincingly, but that hasn't really worked out in our favour anyway. That's a pretty pointless stat, to be honest. What have we got here? The Hammer and Mitchell Pearce again here. Mitchell Pearce has played seven in origins for five wins. Well... Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I don't know. It's killing me. I just, I look at the forward pack. I look at the halves. I think it's all there, but I'm more with what you said. It's the coaches for me. Yeah. Our kick tactics. Dumb and dumber. Yeah, the kick tactics, the forward pack, uh, you know, the lack of repeat sets, the lack of game control. I think we can run over them. I think we could do it again, but I look at them. Game three, big occasion, and like I said, you always told me that it was a different beast and that time we went there and watched us get ambushed. I think that's mainly the thing that sits in my head about them heading up there for game three. Yeah. And I think all that well, comes... If Craig Bellamy was coaching New South Wales, I'd have him win him by 30. Yeah, and I think it all comes down to, and again, I'm not one of those people, but the Pierce haters, I can hear them already if they lose. The knives are going to be out for Mitchell Pierce. something fierce. Well, if they lose, Daly's out. He's got to go. Oh, 100%. He's the one that's got to go for me. Right. That's the one that's got me irked right now. And I really hope that Pierce has a good game and the forwards do a job and it all kind of works out for him, but he's the one I fear for. Mm. And people are going to come for him rightly or wrongly if uh, this is not the right result. But it's all there for New South Wales, like you said. They've got a bit of a, a gamble on that that side of the field, but Haynes got to be better. The error's got to be down. No stupid penalties. We've got to force repeat sets. We've got to win the middle. And you've got to play for 80. 
pretty straightforward. Their side of things, it's going to be the same as what we had last time. They're going to have to try and make it ugly, slow it down. They're going to kick early if they get the opportunity. They're going to put the ball out. They're going to have set starts and do everything they can to make sure they're in control the whole time. Yeah. And they absorb pressure. Even though every time we send them to the pump, they just do such a good job of absorbing pressure, absorbing pressure. Uh, and the one who lit it on fire last time for them was Napa. Yeah. And I think he's going to love that cauldron the second time around. And he's the kind of one that sparked that revival along with Josh Maguire. And Billy Slater obviously had a bit of an influence in that last game, just popping up left, right and centre. I think he'll be better for that run again in that environment. And uh, I guess that's the other thing about the Melbourne thing that maybe has a little bit in my mind of watching Munster play all those guys. He's slotted in better at six. I know it's not the Melbourne Storm side, but the fact all those guys are around him gives me more confidence that he's playing six. Mm-hmm. So... Fingers crossed, New South Wales fans out there, and everyone listens that we're, I'm wrong, but I guess, again... That, yeah, we're unbiased. Like, yeah, I've Queensland but this, for however long. Exactly. Like, probably for as long as this podcast oh. has been going. Well, before aside, went, from, aside from the series, which we won, when, I, when we managed to win game one up in Queensland, we thought, well, we, we have to win this series, and we did. What did I say before I went to Europe last year when you said I'd miss game three? I said it wouldn't matter because mm. it's going to be over. And sure enough... We'd made the wrong selections. We were done by the end of game yeah. two. So. Well, we're unbiased. I, I, I genuinely, if New South Wales don't win, I'll be shocked. I was a bit and shattered. And I'll, I'll be angry. I was a bit shattered, though, after game two because, again, the first thing that came into my head was that time we went a couple of years ago mm. and just the feeling of that stadium and how ruthless they are. And <clears throat> there's a lot there for Queensland to go for. Uh, and even though things have been... A but in the end, when the ball gets kicked, the crowd means... I know, I'm, I'm with you, but Zippo. there's just something in me that just feel, I just I guess 10 out of the last 11 just makes me feel like we're going to get shiv somehow. No, I, I hope they prove me wrong. I really, really do, but... If yeah. they don't, tune into the uh, the review podcast because I'm going to tear some paint off this wall in the studio. No, it's... it's because bad. there's going to be... There's going to be uh, reasons why, and there's going to be some harshities thrown around this room. Oh, the review is going to be brutal, 100%, if we don't get the job done. There's no doubt about that. But yeah. seventy-five, get on. WilliamHill.com. Again, those odds, Queensland $2.10, New South Wales $1.75. Minus two is the line. Queensland 1 to 12, 3, 10, 13 plus. 6.50, New South Wales 1 to 12, 280, 13 plus. $4 over under is the one you like, 31.5 points over, over. under. Over. Over. There you go. So you're right into that one there. Uh, I like, again, in Origins, basically can one Can you go over into New South Wales? <coughs> I think you can get line one. and total doubles. Or Yeah, that, there you go. What's that? New South Wales minus one and a half and over 31 and a half. $3.40. That's get, my bet of the week, ladies and gentlemen. You can get margins as well, Ooh. which is more than I like. So if you wanted New South Wales one, one to 12. 12 and over 31 and a half. Six bucks. Six bucks. Wow. Or if you were going my side, which would be Queensland, 1 to 12 and over. 13 and plus half, and over, 6 bitty. You'd get 17.50. And uh, those man of the match details we gave you, obviously, they're all the favourites, uh, the key players, the halves, James Tedesco, they're all at 7.50. Bit of outside value for Maloney. If you like Gossip's pick at $10. Uh, the first try scorer market, obviously, wingers kill this. Valentine Holmes, he got it last time. $13. Uh, Dan Gogai, the other winger, $13. If you go my pick, which was Matchelette, the back rower, $26 for him. Who was your first try scorer, mate? You had Morris. Be Moz. Moz will be short, I'm guessing. He's $11, so he's the shortest of all. James Tedesco, also $11. Uh, Jared Hayne was the pick for Gossett for first try scorer. He's at 13 If you like a back rower, Boyd Cordner would be the one if you are going to pick someone who's a back rower on the other side of the, uh, the coin. 19, big for feeder if he was going to borrow and do the dirty. 26 Dora for a first try. Mitchell Pierce, $26 for first try scorer. 
Who's another value bet if you're going to go over here? Cameron Munster or someone to crash over in their first game? What's he paying? $17 for Munster. Billy Slater, $15 for WilliamHill.com to score the first try. But final verdict, mate, I'm going to give you the, the charity bet because obviously we're not going to agree. You're, you sound a lot more confident than I do. Yeah. So I'm going, I'm going that $3.40. I'm going New South Wales minus one and a half into the over. Bang. You're going to go the big rig? Yeah. $6? No. Just, just the line total double. Not the margin, because I know what will happen. I'll back on one to twelve, and they'll win thirteen plus. So I just want the minus one and a half. <sighs> like I said, I just I had that sinking feeling, and I I don't know. I just didn't I didn't think it should have got to a game throw. I think it's just the negativity of us losing for so long that hurts me. And everybody out there's probably going to listen to this podcast and go, "God, you guys are tired and depressed." It's late at night. I apologise for that. And just this, the the thought of going up there after being there one time and experiencing it, like you said, you've been burned three times going to there, haven't you? I've only been once, but watching it on the TV come this Wednesday, I'm going to have a bit of a sinking feeling. Oh, yeah. I hope they prove me wrong, though. hope so. And if not, Laurie Daly, you should be fired. If not, Laurie Daly, look out. Oh, yeah. Brock's coming for you. Well, there you have it. It's been a bit disjointed. It's late at night. We're both tired, but it's done. Origin preview. We've given the odds thanks to WilliamHill.com and all our tips and dirt and Mr. Gossip. If you're going to have a bet on the NRL or any sport, make sure you do it with WilliamHill.com. Hopefully, everybody... Enjoys Wednesday night and fingers crossed it is New South Wales finally getting a series win again and hopefully starting something for the next couple of years. Fan questions. Oh, we've reviewed the games from the weekend, set of six. The last thing that needs to be done here is for everybody to enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.